This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is perplexed. Uh, we predicted it all on Friday's preview show, the team bar cheek for Kante, that Lampard would know Chelsea's weakness and exploit them with an abundance of shithousery, and that Kevin Friend would be anything but. As a result, Chelsea got bullied and sucker punched. But what, uh, but what we did not predict was yet another awful error contributing to Chelsea's defeat. We knew Chelsea would find it hard to break Everton down and that we would have a bulk, the bulk of possession and miss a hatful of chances. After all, we've been doing that all season. But individual errors you simply should not expect. Uh, if Chelsea score first, then it's an entirely different game. And worryingly, that's now 14 errors contributing to goals in the league this season, beating only uh, beaten only by Everton with 15. There's a huge sense that we've seen this all before under so many Chelsea managers. And while there are perhaps mitigating circumstances this season with fatigue and injuries, with the pressure now on to finish in the top four when the job should have been done weeks ago, Chelsea is again stumbling across the finish line. Maybe it's time to start questioning the players' mentality and the quality and depth of squad. There's a reason why we haven't competed for the title for five years. Maybe Chelsea is just a decent cup side. And we've all seen that before. And the title of the show tonight is Stop Me If You've Seen This Before. Chelsea Fancast 896. And I'm delighted to introduce to you some people that I've seen very recently. Um, maybe one of them not so recently. Uh, but uh, I'm delighted to introduce the marvellous, uh, the, uh, the doyen... Uh, of the Everton fans, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Great to be on the show, Chich. Great after my um, having made, as you say, so, so many friends uh, from the toffee area of the country. It's uh, it's quite joyous, actually. Particularly the one who suggested that I had a very nice wig, very nice toupee. I rather enjoyed that. I've responded by saying I have several, all of different colours. One curly, I think I put... Uh, I've yet to receive a reply. Uh, 
but um but yeah it was uh, uh I, I, I was worried at the time whether i should um really lose my temper because i lost my temper at the match and i thought yeah why not just follow through with it you know as i was doing it um let's do the fan bite exactly how i was feeling at the time so uh so yeah it's nice to have had a it's nice to have gone viral, isn't it, Chidge? Yeah, man. It's really nice. You're famous. 60,000 views, mate. Oh, how many? Well, my, yeah, but, it's got to be nearly that. All for the fan cast, though, not for me. I know, I know. You're famous, so, mate. You're, yeah, now, well, you're now known outside of London. I'm known as being very posh, though, which I quite like in a kind of appalling sense. Well, posh, except the Tory bit was a bit unfair. Yeah, but I said I, I, he, he spelt it wrong, and I corrected and said. Fuck. No, no, several others as well suggested that I was a, you know, this is what a, a Tory voter looks like. Yeah, which I thought was rather peculiar. Glasses and a goatee. I think yeah, that's quite interesting. And a yeah. Scarf. They're yeah. not very bright, J.K. I must I must admit that's the case. Yeah. But um, very good fun. Um, shall I introduce the other excellent? Oh yeah, excellent, excellent people on the show tonight. We. We only have excellent people on the show. Have you noticed that? That's because I'm a very good casting director. You are very good indeed. There are only certain... Is it because there aren't many people to choose from other than, <laughs> ex... other than excellent? No, no. I, I mean, unlike, unlike Chelsea Football Club, I've uh, researched potential buys uh, by statistical analysis to come up with the, the absolute best uh, talent available for Chelsea fan casts. And they are you. And I have no need for any more. <laughs> good, good, good to know. Anyway, one of them, guess which one, everybody at home, are you sitting comfortably? Is cynical, witty, Irish. Uh, but other than that, that'll do for the moment. Which one is that, everybody? Which one is it? Which one is it? Is, it, is he in the round window? Which one is it? It is, of course. Oh, yes, yeah, somebody said actually as well for the fan, they said, I, I bet he'd be great presenting Jack and Ori. They brought it off. And I, you have done. I, I lost it somewhere. I wanted to write back. I've done Pipkins, and I think I did something, but I'd love to have done Jack and Ori. Um, it is, of course, the fantastic Martin Wickham. Uh, hello, everyone, and thank God it's a Tuesday, not Monday. I've actually calmed down a little bit. Although I do feel sorry for you, Judge, because you wrote a script, sent it out, and then four hours later, the whole thing got fucked out the window with recent news developments. So I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's going to be very quiet. Yeah, but don't, don't worry, Martin. As I, as I told you uh, before we went on air, I haven't changed a thing. Yeah. And I would suggest to any Everton fans, if they want to know what a Tory voter sounds like, they um, listen to a managerial press conference of theirs. Oh, harsh, <laughs> harsh but fair. Well, he's, he's, self, he's admitted himself he voted for those wankers. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember reading his comments about that. They were unbelievably stupid. Let's not go yeah. there. What, what, what was the um? What was it? The Liverpool fans called him Fra- Frankie Dettori, mate. Frankie Dettori. Yeah, that was yeah. quite good actually. Oh uh, yeah, 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 fair enough. And uh, who is our uh, the fourth of four? Oh, guess guess at home. Guess please please through the square window. He is um. He co-presents went to Mo King's Meadow in a rather expert way, may I say. And uh, what else? Um, uh, he has his allegiances on the other side of the pond. So mm. who could that only be? A little bit yeah, here and there, hither and thither. Well, Canadian, is it? Uh, <laughs> Mexican. Uh, Mexican. <laughs> he's been like that all the time. It's the very first time we have somebody on the show in a messy accent. And uh, of course, he is the, the, the wonderful Instagram. You're looking at yourself in the screen there. 
thing. No, I noticed, yeah, there's, I know, I've got a bit of a rash on Thing was printing himself, everybody, but looking, that was rather good. And um, it is, of course, the in ineffable, I don't even know what that means, uh, Dane Whittle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a nice girl. Evening, evening, everyone. I keep hearing you a lot at the moment, JK. You've done a lot of adverts. I, we got Radio X on at the office, and I keep. I, oh, I, are you hearing heard a, a little quick fit? Oh, yeah, quick fit. That's what I'm hearing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You sound very, very good. Very oh, prim really and proper. Thank you. thank you, thank you. It was. Um, they don't seem to care anymore. You do a read and they go, yeah, it's great. And you go, oh, but I haven't stressed any other, yeah, no, it doesn't matter, it's great. On to the next one. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, but I didn't, um, I don't think I read it very well. No, it doesn't matter, it sounds great. Oh, okay, right, there we go. That's the world now. Yeah, pile them up, pile them, what is it? Pile them up, sell them cheap or something. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like yeah. that. Anyway, good to see you all, as always. Uh, apologies to everybody uh, that you're hearing us now, if you're listening live on Mixler uh, on a Tuesday and a bit late. Uh, but my wife, as you know, uh, imposes a ban on podcasts on a Monday bank holiday. So that's why. And uh, I, I did a protest by not speaking to her all day and spending the entire day in the allotment and then was so knackered I just watched the television and refused to speak to her. So hopefully she's learned her ways and we'll be allowed to in future because I pointed out that it makes no difference. You still won't see me even if I don't do a podcast. But anyway, um, I am actually very stiff as a result of uh, manual, hard manual labour. Of your spade Thank God work. for clarifying that. <laughs> of your spadery. Yes, my spade work, Martin. Yes, my back's killing me. Anyway, enough of all of that. Uh, right, on the show tonight, part one. Uh, we discuss Lampard's Everton doing a job on us and the referee. Uh, mistakes costing us again and a repeat of so many issues we've seen before. And in part two, we ask, is top four now in jeopardy? What's going wrong? How can Tuchel sort it out? Uh, we also check in with the Chelsea takeover and ask what it would mean if the Bowley bid wins. And would Ratcliffe's bid really be preferable? And thanks to breaking news uh, Martin was alluding to earlier, does it actually matter anyway? Because it's all going down the shitter, apparently. Uh, we'll we'll pick up on that theme later. Now, in part three, it's a three-parter tonight because no match to preview. Uh, we're going to go through loads of questions from the Discord group. And we have no less than five emails to read out on a variety of topics. And some of them are good. Uh, now, as ever, don't forget, you can listen to the show live. Live. Every Monday at 7pm, unless we're on a Tuesday, of course, uh, doing it at 8.15. Uh, but you can go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea Hive Fancast. And of course, if you do that, you get to talk to lots of very lovely, lovely, lovely people. Uh, like Loz, good old Loz Barnes, Steve Mower, Andy the Hutch, to name but three. Uh, many of whom are in our Discord group, which is great fun. I love the stuff that, that, that gets generated in there. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you all about how to join that later. But they're all damn fine people, and we love seeing them every week. Uh, of course, you can always keep in touch with us, um, you know, at any other time by tweeting us at Chelsea Fancast or basically at Chelsea Fancast on all the socials, including Instagram, which is under the uh, control of the fabulous Dane Whittle, who we've got on the show tonight. So there you go. We'll be talking about the football very soon. <laughs>
indeed. We kind of had an inkling about all of this on Friday. Even Jonathan, a man prone to predicting 5-0 victories every time Chelsea graced hallowed turves, was going a bit with a 1-1. But there you go. Team selection. uh, Cheek in for Kante. We even predicted the team. I mean, here's the thing, JK. Uh, barring Cheek for Kante, who apparently, again, is another one who's an injury doubt. It wasn't It wasn't a tactical switch. Um, that is our best team, man. That is our best team. And I really I really feel for Tuchel that he, he picks what's supposed to be his best team. And it just, you know, so many times recently, it's not delivering, man. But we, we wouldn't be having this conversation if Dave hadn't made the mistake. Because, all right, we were, you know, we had 78% possession and we don't score, but we still get the chances. And if, and we still, we're still defensively looking pretty watertight, other than the, there was the moment after the goal as well, where we just suddenly looked, looked like, um, rabbits in the headlights, which they should have scored again. But from then on, all they did was just, you know, fall over and do everything that um, that we pre- predicted on the Friday that they would. I have to say, when I said 1-1 on the Friday, I actually meant 1-0 to them because I just I just knew that was going to happen. We just Still not getting the points for it, Joko. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even enter into the Prem predictions this week. Oh. I forgot all about Schoolboy it. Schoolboy error. I, I must admit, I put my entry in about 2.30am on the Saturday off, so very much a last-minute job from me as well. well I don't know I've, how I missed it. I don't know how I missed it. Well, yeah. I've got an issue with you, Martin, because uh, since you've taken your eye off the ball in the Prem predictions, that means you've you slipped down from 5th to ninth. But more yep. to the point, w- w- you know, we were in the lead. Not by a lot, but we were in the lead. Uh, Chelsea Fancast, our group, was leading the mini leagues, right? Over yeah. the United States of Dramerica, right? Oh God. <laughs> and, and it all goes, the league position and the mini leagues, battle in the mini leagues, is based on whoever is fifth in each of those leagues. And while you were fifth, we were on top. Since we've, you've slipped down to ninth, we are no, we're about, well, I think we were down to seventh and then we've gone up to fifth again this weekend yeah. I, I, re- I really hope this doesn't coincide with me getting out of hospital and then it going down <laughs> because ultimately what you're saying is you know um when i had nothing else to do the predictions were better but i was on a i was on a cardiac ward so it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword that one I, w- I will try and make sense of these mad bloody scores going in but i don't hold out too much hope i've been better the last two weeks though yeah, well, we need to. I really want to win that because I can claim some credit for that, whereas I'm never going to win it myself. But uh, J.K. is this not the quiz team all over again? Yes, like you know, oh, you I used see. to, you used to always win me the Chelsea Supporters Trust Quiz Cup. I would. So you still got it, haven't you? I've still got it. <laughs> I, I, I could wander off, Mike, and and show you, and it's they're never having it back. You know, it's a bit like the Jules Rimet, mate. We won it twice. You can fuck off. Didn't they award it in perpetuity? Not at the time. <laughs> at the time, okay. But they've never had one um, since. Can I can I put my finger up? Yes, 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 please do. Thank you. Can we get back to talking about um, the game? Yeah, I'm going to ask Dane a question, all right? You can... No, no, but I, I, I didn't finish. Well, I, I think you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. You started talking about the fact I didn't involve myself. I didn't get the result. Did I interrupt I you? Dane, I, but I, 
I, I cede, as they okay. say. I yield. I like this. I yield to them. I think yeah. this is good. I think we're performing a democratic model here. Okay, yes. this is how the House of Commons used to operate, as Jonathan yes. cleverly alluded to there. And we shall we shall prove to those bozos in Parliament that it can be done, no matter how egotistical and fractious we all are. We can still cede to people, as Jonathan has magnanimously done, even though I'm a tit. And he didn't even say that, which is even lovely. You're a tit. Yes. Okay. I, I, all right. I, I kind of, I kind of handed that one to you on a plate, didn't I? Yeah, Dane. What, Dane, what I was going to ask you, mate, was, you know, picking up on the point that I made about, um, you know, feeling a bit of sympathy for Tuchel. The other side of the coin, um, you know, he's picking the same side, albeit what I think most of us would recognise as our best side. But is he flogging a dead horse? Uh, and is it time to change things? Or if he does change things with different players? Will they let him down too? Flogging a dead horse. Uh, so that front three played against Arsenal, struggled against West Ham, Man United, and then lost to Everton. So to an extent, yeah, they are flogging a dead horse. Uh, I, I like Havertz up front, but he needs goals around him if he's struggling through games. Mason's picked up with goals and assists recently, uh, and Werner was about five games ago. So it's hard at the moment, you know, when you go to Everton, you need, you know, fast minds, you know, lots of energy. And there's a few players out there with, with slow minds and, you know, slow passing and just slow in general. And hindsight is a wonderful thing. And we can all say, oh, who shouldn't have played or who could have played now. But you you, you guys seem to think that was our best team. You know, I might have had uh, Chaloba in there. I just don't, again, yeah, going to Goodison... You know, I thought Jorginho actually played quite well in the field. I didn't think he was that bad. I, he's he's one of the ones I think, you know, away at Goodison. Like Dave, you know, quite slow in the mind and they get rushed and they, you know, they can make mistakes. But I didn't think he was doing too bad, actually. But I could see why he brought Cover on because Cover's so good at breaking and, 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 and turning like a, a defensive situation into attack. But yes, there is slight elements of, of tiredness in them and... And it is, it's a bit desperate to watch. You know, I read a little bit about a Lampard masterclass and how he outdone Tuchel, but he's only done what the last probably three Everton managers have also done, you know, against us. Uh, probably the exact same tactics. And, and, and I think, I believe that's our fourth loss in a row there. So, you know, like, like JK said, although he predicted 1-1, I, 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 I had a horrible feeling. I wasn't expecting much. And you could obviously write, write what was going to happen beforehand, unfortunately. Yeah. Martin? Just on the Jorginho substitution, and JK can probably back this up, because of whatever protocols are, um, are in place at Goodison Park now, Chelsea went off via right by where the away end is and Everton went through the main tunnel. Jorginho was like hop along Cassidy at the yeah. end. I think it was an injury of yeah, some yeah. description. And I, hopefully it's not too bad because like you say, I thought, I thought he was doing okay. When I was yeah. concerned that he'd be like their prime target. I mean, Everton just put speed on their press. So they had um, Gordon, Gray, Iwobi. There was just a lot of speed and they pushed up and he dealt with that quite well. And Loftus-Cheek were done very well on the, you know, the breaking outside of things as well. He was the only, in my view, I think he was the only player who, you know, excited us a little bit, done something to, you know, he get the blood flowing. He looked very good. Looked yeah, very good. I agree. 
Mm. Right. But, um, and it's all down to a mistake, isn't it? Once again, we just know, you know, with this kind of environment, you know, Bournemouth did it to, did it to us when Frank was um, manager, didn't they? Exactly the same thing and falling over. And it's just because you need, you, you know, it, according to the laws, would you believe, if the goalkeeper persistently holds the ball for more than six seconds, an indirect free kick will be awarded in the penalty area. Were you, were you the one behind me counting then? Because I could fucking hear that and it was actually... No, 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 no. I, I, no, I didn't do that. I was behind the counters. You were in front of the counters. I was behind them. I admired them, though, because, you know, when it got to 22 seconds, for God's sake. But, but JK, I mean, as you're they were, right... They were, they, were, they were going at double speed, though. I could hear they were counting... No, I agree. I agree. Really, well, nonetheless... Yeah. But, but you're you you know, JK. But nonetheless, he's still... He's still holding on to the ball. Yeah. And as I say, in the laws, it says if the goalkeeper holds on to the ball for yeah. more than six seconds, the referee will award an indirect free kick. Did I, we see any of that? No. no. Well, you know Did why. Did we see him being booked? No. You know why. You know why? Because Kevin Friend is a fucking disaster zone. And I mean, yeah. your rant in the fan bite, I was applauding and genuflecting at that because I was steamed up. I wrote, I even wrote it down as it was going on. Remember, by the way, I, I had to watch this on record because I had to go out. It's my sister's birthday. So I kind of did, did my duty, familial duty there. But he gave us nothing and he was basically against us. Four bookings we had, maybe even five to Everton's one. He was obviously influenced by the crowd. I mean, there were ever, I could see what happened. The crowd roar, he gives us a booking. Delph not booked for fouling Jorginho. It's probably why he went off. Uh, Mina fouling Havertz all game and winding him up deliberately. Oh. Oh. Aspie, Aspie, of all people, losing his shit with Coleman for fouling him. And then... And I thought this was interesting, which I'll, we'll talk about later, maybe. But I thought in the ensuing kind of brawl that happened afterwards, where uh, both Col- where both Aspie and Mount were, were were booked, Mount booked for pushing the odious Mina to the ground. Uh, Rudiger was conspicuous by his absence. You remember how much I used to go love him, the merest whiff of aggro. He yeah. would run fifty, sixty yards yeah. to to yeah. get in there, nowhere to be seen. This was pointed out by a, a rather astute fan next to me who completely lost it with him and said he's already signed his pre-contract and is off. And he said, look at that. He said he echoed exactly that, Chidge. He said he would have been up there in the mix with them and he was nowhere to be seen. Wasn't he already booked, though, by then? He was, to be fair, Dane. That's probably He'd his already been booked, to stay I think, out of yeah, it. I, think you're right. yeah. I mean, you know, to, to, to be more judicious about this... And I read a stat the other day about uh, Rudiger that he's never been sent off for Chelsea, and so he's he. This is how good and clever he is. He just he knows exactly. I mean, like all the best shit house players do. Costa was another one. Very rarely got sent off. They know just exactly how far to take it, and that's 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 clever. I like that. So maybe he was not being stupid. I mean, it was he was he got an early yellow, didn't he? I think he was the first to be booked, wasn't he? Yep. So, you know, maybe he was being sensibubble. I mean, look, JK, it's hard to disagree with you, old old fruit. We could have had a very quick show, 20 minutes, because it could have just been... If we hadn't have made that mistake, you know, we'd have been fine. But, yeah. it, it, I mean, it was awful. I'm sorry, but, I mean, I don't know. Tired mind, bad technique. I mean, you tell me. I mean, good pressing by Richarlison. You've got to give him a bit of credit. And he nicked the ball and put it away 1-0. Thank you very much. Horrible time to concede as well just after the break, just like we did the other week. Makes it even Very more interesting annoying. moment, Chidge, which was that I noticed that um, because the ball was, wasn't just tapped in by Richarlison, in fact, I think 
one of the other players yeah. got it and passed to Richardson. And Cheek came in and almost scythed him to the ground. And it, it friend obviously gave the goal, the ball went in. Friend then went and had a long talk to Cheek because he said to him, if you'd connected, you'd have been off because you'd have been the last man. Wow. Which last man, which he would have been. So if that if that had been a and it would have been a penalty as well. So just it was an interesting moment. But yeah, it was uh, it's frightful. You cannot that that they just cannot do this. It's it's you know it, oh, Well I, I mean I've got I I I'd, I'd love to know why. And my, my, my point to you all, um I just it just strikes me of another example that we've seen a lot recently. I mean, there is mitigation for this, which I'll go into in a minute, but you know, more playing around at the back by players who are basically not capable of it because they're not comfortable enough on the ball. And it occurs to me, the only defenders who we've got who are genuinely comfortable with the ball is really silver. I mean, Christensen, yeah, if he's got a, a you know, lots of time and lots of space, but the minute, minute anybody gets up his ass, he looks like Bambi on ice. Aspie, Rudiger, Chaloba, all look vulnerable on the ball when they're put under pressure, which tells me... I mean, the mark of great footballers has always been that they can play with the ball at their feet without having to look at the ball and their feet because they're so comfortable with it, they don't need to. So they can look around and know what, what's going on. So it's a telltale sign. And you can see Rudiger, Aspie, all these players, other than Silver in our defence, are having to think about what their feet and their brain and the ball are doing, which means they're not comfortable with it. It is not their friend. And this is what happens. You've got a, a decent team who will pressurise him, get up their arse, and he's wise to that. This is what happens. So in a sense, uh, I'm going to ask Dane this, you know, in a sense, this is not a coincidence. This is not an accident. This is not necessarily something that can be avoided. Although, of course, the other side of that coin is that we've avoided it, you know, for a while. Tuchel had this defence humming. So I do wonder if this is also evidence of tired minds and tired bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly what we said earlier, didn't we? Yeah, I can add Alonso to that. I thought he struggled for the first half well, an hour. I, I would disagree with that because I actually think that Alonso, for all of his many faults, has arguably got the best technique amongst the best technique in the entire team. I thought he tried to use his pace, which he hasn't got to to get out of dangerous situations within the first half, and I think he got caught two or three times. Uh, but it's like I said earlier, you know, slow minds. You know, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Dave for for all his. You know, for, for all his qualities, yeah, you know, he's been a great, great player for us. Uh, but there's certain players who, who will have a great game and they'll be it'll be lauded for and then we'll just like accept six average performances or five average performances. We all knew what uh, Everton was going to do and there's not a football coach amongst us. Uh, yeah, Th- Thomas Tuchel talked about, you know, looking forward to, 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 to uh, meeting Frank Lampard, the, the so-called Goodison atmosphere, which I think is a bit of a myth. Uh, you know, it was, like a, it was like a. It was sorry to interrupt, but f- first ten minutes, Everton didn't score. They got nervous and it went very quiet. So we let them back in it through that fucking stupid mistake by Spilaqueta. Mm. If that had carried on fifty, sixty minutes, who knows what would have happened? They certainly wouldn't have been able to time waste. But you know, we we're talking about the time waste and all that. I think the 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 one the best way to stop that score first. Oh, yeah. different game, Martin. They never yeah. got back in it because they don't have the wherewithal to do it unless you hand it to them on a plate. Which mm. we did, which is exactly what we fucking did. And it would have taken the air out of the crowd, totally, as you said. 
Yeah, we well we we weathered a bit of a storm after a few minutes. There was an early free kick, and obviously, you know, they knew the stakes five points off the drop zone. They're still in the relegation zone. Yeah, Let's not, you know, you know, but it could still happen. I still, so, um, I still think they've got some very winnable games coming forward, though. Yes, they do. Yeah. They, I think I think they do, and you know, you know, Leeds could get pulled into it, and um, oh Christ, they've they've got three points nailed on next week because they'll be bang up for that. Yeah. But so. Martin, I like football, but Burnley can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is no direct train link to Burnley, so yes, it can fuck well, off. Well, they, they fired my favourite manager, so I don't, I don't like them anymore. They can fuck off, <laughs> even though I like, I do like Burnley, and I like going up to Burnley. It's a great proper ground. They're managed by Michael Jackson now, though. Shmoo, motherfucker! Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. His name's Mike Jackson. Oh right, you can't, okay. use, you can't use the name Michael Jackson anymore. <laughs> Not even for for laughs and giggles. No. Okay. No. All right. Well, look. Talk it's giggles. bad. Apparently, it's bad. Uh, like you can't say Gary Glitter anymore. I know it's terrible. Only isn't? only as rhyming slang. Only as, only, <laughs> yeah. only as rhyming slang. More of that later. Um, look. I mean, talking about goals, Martin. I mean, we. Even though, I mean, you know, again, you know, no shot on target for 60 minutes, which is just beyond, beyond frustrating. But Mount, great effort that hit the post. I mean, really good technique as well. And then followed up by another good shot from Aspie that was goal bound uh, from the rebound. Pickford. Well, it was Rudy, wasn't it? Wasn't no, it, it wasn't. It was Aspie. Great save from, from Pickford. Uh, but that was our first effort on target six minutes, and then he saves again, point blank from Rudiger from uh, a corner, which was, was that ar- the one right- he saved with his jaw. <laughs> yeah, right after that. Now, I mean, the point I'm not making here is all three attempts should have been goals, uh, but we were denied by great saves. There's no doubt about that. He also tipped a great effort from Cheek over the bar, and he also made another really good save from Kovacic after a really brilliant move. It has to be said. So, you know, that's one, two, three. One, two, three, four, five efforts that could have ended up in goals. So, I mean, you know, you can say it's great keeping. You could say, you know, well, you know, you've got to, if hitting the post is not a good effort because, you know, it's, it's a miss, isn't it? But, you know, on another day, those, any one of those could have gone in or more. JK? Um, Mount's shot, by the way, was completely brilliant technique. Yeah, wasn't it? Brilliant. I thought he had a good game as well. Yeah, I thought he was. He was okay. Fun. I thought at the end it, he yeah. lost control a little bit. There was a few basic passes that went also, awry, but he weren't alone in that respect. Yeah, they they were really putting pressure on him. Um, yeah. I, I honestly think the problem is if if Werner is so off the pace in the three up there, if you've got Mount and Havertz, and Havertz was so was being so wound up by by Mina all the way through it. It was just absolutely cheating non-stop. It was obviously fouling him all the time. And also, did you see the bizarre time-wasting moments in the second half where Mina kept cuddling Pickford? Non-stop cuddling Pickford and patting him on the head and holding him. It was almost as bad as Ronnie O'Sullivan grabbing hold of of, um, Trump yesterday um, after he won the title, which went on and on and on, and poor old... Uh, Judd Trump was trying to get away from his clutches. But uh, uh, once again, you know, the, it's so obvious what's going on. And friend just wandered about, I despair. And I won't carry on about the, the referee. Um, but no, I, I think if, if one of your major strikers is completely off the pace, because we were right back to Werner playing as badly as he's played all season, which is, 
you know, he's not going in, he's not, he's not making contact, almost as if he was scared by the fact that they were so physical. So he jumps out of the way, doesn't go into challenges. He's a bit reticent to then take the ball down the pitch in case he has a hefty challenge. And, uh, and I'm wondering whether that is the root of Werner's problem. If he plays against somebody that he can easily outpace, he's not going to get battered to the ground. But if it looks to him as if somebody's going to come and kick him, he's really not interested. And he played a large number of meaningless balls just over the top. To I think that's a great description of Timo. Sorry to, to interrupt. Meaningless balls. <laughs> I just think um, Everton played in a low block and Timo's not going to get around that. He can't, he, he can't work he, that he out. Can't, he can't, well, he just hasn't got yeah. the space to run into because they're not no, leaving any no. space behind. Um, it's no coincidence that he's looked the best against Southampton who played a high line and was shit. Yeah. Yes. So he, he profited as a result. Yeah, Everton weren't going to do that. Mina's a shithouse. We know that from the World Cup. Yeah. Coleman's been around for ages yeah. and he's got bags of experience. Gnarly. Knows how to... Well, yeah, and he's he's used to playing in teams where... He, they're gonna he's gonna sit back and defend a lot so not everton i'm talking about ireland here um he knows how to do it so we we haven't got a plan b and what annoys me the most is he i refrain to call it u bend but there's this basically there's this passing arc when you go past the halfway just this u shape you'll know now you see it now i've said it you'll, you'll see it every time it goes left middle right no no one runs no one tries to go through the middle. So it goes back around the other way again. Then it goes back around the other way again. And then the move fizzles out or someone gets caught offside or something stupid. If this predates Tuchel, I think it probably predates Lampard. It's, 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 say it, Martin, say it. I you know it's him. You know it's him. You know it's him. It was equally aimless <laughs> under Conte. Fucking fag-smoking tramp. Oh, the yeah, the, the dog ending. Oh, it, it, was, it was the same under Conte once the wheels fell off. They just... It, it all breaks down and then they just, you know, go around in a U-shape until someone either does... Well, you know, the, the U-shape U drives us around the bend, mate. Yeah, the U-bend, yeah. Because no, no one wants to take a shot, you know, gamble, and it's frustrating. It always seems to be, you know, football by analytics where you try and est you try and calculate the best chance of scoring a goal, but you spend so long trying to calculate it, oh, I want to go a percentage up here, that, you know, there's no ingenuity, there's no... Yeah, but you see, yeah. that's the thing, Martin. In the final analysis, it all breaks down. But in the final, final, final analysis, we had Hazard, who was the outlier, who would never... He, he ignored everything that Sarri said and continued to play his game. And every flaming week, nearly, he would drag us out of that and score with some creativity, some genius, something unpredictable. And that's, that's what we've been missing ever since he went. Yes, and but some of these players need to step up and try and replace that. Havertz yeah. has skill; he can do it. Yeah, but even, Vern, no. even Werner on his good days can do it. Yeah. It feels at times like it's been coached out of them. Well, they're worried about making mistakes, and that's that's because they're worried yeah. about. I mean, if you think about it, Hazard was a mature footballer, arguably a mature human being as well, who had the and also had a great belief in his own ability, which I think helps because he'd played long enough. So he took one look at the fag muncher and said, nah, you're all right. I'm doing it my way. And he could get away with it because, of course, whilst he's performing and delivering, very few managers are going to take umbrage at that. These these guys in the main are young. They're kids. You know, they're not established here or necessarily at Chelsea. Uh, and they're still learning the game. And, you know, maybe Tuchel, 
you know, was a bit more of a frightening figure than uh, than Sarri. So I, I would gonna... say that I would say that Hazard joined at roughly the same age some of these players are now. I think he's always had a bit of the individualistic streak to him. Yeah, and well, he'd probably, and he probably, I think he'd been playing in France since about sixteen, so probably had a little bit more experience. But who knows? It's just, it's a just, theory. it's just very, it's very disappointing, and frustrating because you know I wasn't, I was at Old Trafford, I was at Goodison Park. They are both the worst iterations of those two teams I've seen in a decade, mm. and we got one point out of it. I know. And now we're shitting ourselves, thinking. Could we lose fourth yeah, place? Personally, if we finish fifth, it's what we deserve over 38 games. Well, if we're not good enough for Champions League, we're not good enough for I it. I know. Well, well, we'll talk about that in part two, but I hear you. I hear you. I mean, you know, the, in a sense, the stop me if you've heard this before, to which I alluded to in the title. I mean, it's all here in black and white. 78 possession. Good. Maybe. I'm not so sure about that, but only five shots on target. None for 60 minutes. Where have we heard that before? Quality of final ball, quality of delivery, quality of finishing, not good enough. Where have we heard that before? Uh, Everton looked very lively, predictably, after going ahead, full of confidence, whereas we looked flustered, as JK was saying. Where have we seen that before? You know, it's a repeating pattern, and I think the thing is, it, 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 we've seen it a lot this season, and, and, and to a certain degree last season, so it predates Tuchel. This has been going on for a while, and, and actually a lot of these players are different, so I don't know. I mean, I, I've been reading a lot in the last day or two about mentality of the players. There may be something in that. I mean, I like your idea too, Martin, about no plan B. I think that's that's very apparent, and I don't really know what yeah. the answer is to that. We're getting, we're getting very close to jokes about Thomas Tuchel's record collection, aren't we? We are a bit. Um, but no listen, B. you know, in spite of your protestations earlier, all three of you, I think, I think we do need to to allow Lampard and Everton some credit because, you know, the low block, three in midfield and, and an aggressive press, and it was aggressive, and then looking to counter, you know, that's been causing us problems for a long time. And I've mentioned it many times. They were, you know, they were 5-4-1 without the ball as well. Where have we heard that before? That that idea working against us. But I was, in, I was particularly impressed, really, with what Lampard did in terms of doing a job on Mount denying him space, blocking off his off-the-ball runs, which was how to get at him. That was that was impressive. And also, you know, James was pressed very aggressively. Now, of course, if there's anybody who's going to know this, it's Frank Lampard. Um, and I think beyond that, you know, Everton were bang up for it. I mean, I know you were there, so your view on what the crowd were like trumps mine by a considerable amount. But, I mean, I, I, I haven't... I thought, I thought what they were like before the kickoff was quite... You know, they, they were clearly up for it. The team were clearly up for it. And it, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a cup match when Chelsea go and play somebody like a Division 2, Division 3 side who have got nothing to lose. It's their cup final and they just go balls out and they, they can catch you. You know, just their intensity can catch you unaware. So, I don't know, JK, what do you think? My little rant rambling there. No, I agree completely. I agree completely. But it, it it's... I think they'll probably lose to Watford. I think they'll probably lose to the lesser sides. I think that one of the things that was stated by them wasn't they've been good at dealing with better teams because they seem to be more, um, uh, they're more, I don't know, they can see what they have to do with the better team, which is prevent them from playing. Whereas with a, with a side, oh, who have they got to come? Watford and um, uh, Leicester, what's their Leicester, yeah. They, they might not be as motivated 
Um, it'd be very interesting to see how they do. I still think they might go down. I think they're still, they will be motivated because they're still very much in the shit. Well, yeah, yeah so, but, but, but well, what I mean just by that is that there's the added added aspect of, of a scalp against a team that are top four as well. Yeah, so. I think the priority has to be for them to stay up. I mean, they had a dry run last week against Liverpool and they've just taken that, done it on us and we've folded, which is very frustrating. Well, you know, as I said, I think, you know, clearly... Clearly, you know, home match for them. They know they got a good record against us. Dave Vitti on Friday was saying they would be bang up for it. He was actually feeling quite confident. And normally... He said 1-0, didn't he, He did, you know. And I mean, I don't think it was... It was not just fake bravado. We, 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 you know, sometimes we get a bit like if I went on their show, I'm never going to predict anything but Chelsea winning. But you, you get that occasionally. But actually, most of the time, our opposition view people are really honest about it. And I felt Dave was being really honest about it. He kind of knew that this was going to happen, Dane. And, you know, it was really, it was their, you know, as I said, it's a home game, one of their last home games, go out or balls out, you know. And as I said, I think you add that to Lampard knowing how to how to exploit our weaknesses. And hey, presto, this is what you get. Yeah, yeah, you made obviously a really good point about James as well. I thought he looked really frustrated. He didn't like being uh, pressed and looked a bit ratty quite <laughs> quite early on. And and uh, as you as you rightly said with, with Mason as well, yeah. You, the more you think of it, he he had a really really good good bit of skill where he got out of some really good pressing with like a knock over someone's head, then headed it over someone else. But yeah, yeah obviously, if, if there's one way to one person who's going to know how to play against these players, it is Lampard, and you know, obviously, he knows them all well. You know, people forget a lot a lot of these players, uh, you know, didn't really thrive under Frank. Uh, and he would know their weaknesses, you know, better than anyone. That's why he obviously coming to the end of his reign, certain certain players like Rudy Good, Jorginho, Alonso, you know, wasn't getting a sniffing, sniffing Frank's team. So they were all starting in this game. So he knew a, a way to a way to bring out the worst in them. So I suppose, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's just what all the other Everton managers have done as well. Yeah, obviously we can point out that Frank knows these players a lot more personally than the previous Everton managers, but it's just a performance I've seen at Goodison Park the last three or four seasons. Fair point, fair point. All right, we're going to move this along in part two. Uh, and we're going to have a think about top four and what Tuchel does to sort it out, as well as uh, having a, a talk about Bowley and Ratcliffe and what's going on with the takeover. But before that, the usual parish uh, notices, as Tony would call them. Uh, uh, the last copy, the last copy of everyone's favourite fanzine uh, is available. It popped onto my letterbox, through my letterbox on Saturday. Um, you've got a couple of chances, I think. Am I right? Got two home games left. Wolves, and uh, we've got three. Got, got three. Leicester and Watford. Yeah, you go. So you've got three chances and four, in fact, if you're going to the cup final to get this month's edition of the fanzine. It's the last of the season, and I have to say, uh, well, I mean, it, it's been a superb season for the fanzine. They've been brilliant all season. Well done, Dave, for coordinating all of that, and also well done to the fabulous writers. Now. Uh, if you can't get it in person, and I mean, I think this this is your summer task, all of you who who don't, you know, aren't able to go to the matches. You can get it by subscribing, and you can get either a hard copy, the proper copy, or you can uh, you can you can get a, a PDF. You can get it digitally. So what you have to do is you email fanzine at cfcuk.net, and you can you can subscribe for an entire year, an entire season, about eight or ten copies. Uh, UK, 16 quid. Europe, 35 quid. Rest of the world, 45 quid. And if you want the digital version instead, then it's £6 for a season or £1 each uh, and pay via PayPal. Hurry up. Now, the other thing, another bit of news I wanted to talk about very quickly was uh, 
we've been alerted to some really sad news on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Chelsea supporter Matthew Hatton, whose friend and fellow Chelsea supporter Kyle Secon committed suicide at Fulham Broadway Tube after the West Ham game. I know uh, I know a few people who were there and, and were a bit affected by that, as you can imagine. Now, Kyle was only 23 years old, and it's unbelievably sad and tragic that he felt that he had no other option than to end his life. Now, to honour Kyle's memory and to encourage support for organisations that work to prevent suicide, Matthew has set up a Just Giving Fund in aid of Papyrus, who are, I know very well actually, a brilliant organisation who work to prevent young suicide. Uh, and the link for this is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Kyle Secon, which is K-Y-L-E-S-E-K-H-O-N. Now, in addition to that, Matthew's encouraging those of us who are going to be at the match against Wolves on Saturday to give a round of applause in the 23rd minute. So in a minute silence, or minutes, minutes applause, should I say, to honour Kyle's life. Uh, and we send our condolences, of course, to Matthew and Kyle's family. Now, Papyrus, as I mentioned a minute ago, is one of the organisations that the Chelsea Supporters Trust's mental health initiative, Over the Line, points to. And uh, as you may recall, Over the Line is a safe space to explore and learn about mental health, which was started by the Trust and designed as an education and signposting service to help Chelsea fans find their way through difficult times. Now, you'll find information on mental health problems and facts about mental health, some videos filmed with fellow supporters, some of whom are friends of ours, of course, who struggle with mental health issues and how they found a way back to health. Now, there's also information on how to look after your mental health, resources and links and what to do if you feel you are in immediate danger. So just go to overtheline.uk for more information. But other than that, uh, if you feel you're struggling with your mental health or trapped thinking there's no other way out, then please, please, please talk to someone, a friend, a family member, a colleague, even a stranger. You'll be surprised by how many people will be prepared to help and listen and encourage you to get help for your mental health through the doctor or a therapist. Do not suffer in silence. Martin. Add to that as well. Firstly, I saw it the same as everyone else. It's actually tragic. But um, if you see on Twitter, if there's a like a, a rail incident um, of that nature, they always put a link to the Samaritans for anyone who saw the incident who were affected by it. So I would imagine there was a, a lot of people in Fulham Broadway Station at the time because it's straight after the match. So if anyone's listening here and, you know, saw it or saw the aftermath, speak to someone. Yeah, good advice, Martin. And I know that I spoke to somebody on Twitter today and, and he saw it and I asked him if he was OK. And he said that the club have got a helpline. I don't know the details, but I know the club are helping with support, which is, you know, very encouraging to hear. But uh, it'd be good if the club can put something on the screen at 23 minutes as well just because things like that you know twitter twitter isn't real life although we're on it a lot a lot of people in the ground may not know yeah. what the applause is about I, so hopefully they can do that i'll get the trust to, to try and talk to them about that i think uh jk you wanted to pop no up? i was just saying how tragic it was and yeah. what a waste of a, of a life it's very oh, sad boy. that it comes to that oh, isn't oh, it boy. Yeah, yeah really sad anyway i thought that that deserved to mention thanks die for uh kicking my ass and making me do it although you didn't really have to kick very hard as you know this is what i do for a living all week so uh it's a it's a subject close to my heart we will be back for part two cheech jk in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. 
the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge. Him down there is the absolutely delectable Jonathan Kidd. Oh, darling. And I've also got the fantastic uh, Martin Wickham with his Bohemian Crapsody shirt on tonight. Bohemians FC of Dublin. If you look at Bohemians Away shirts on um, on Google, you'll see that the design is a Bob Marley shirt and Three Little Birds is appropriate at the moment, I yeah, believe. It is. And I'm just, to, just so you know, and you're in, in no doubt, I'm Bohemian like you. <laughs> very good and uh we finally we've got the absolutely brilliant dame Whittle. i don't know why dame but i feel i haven't seen you for ages no no we haven't no we haven't had a had a, had a guinness or a, no. or a chat in person for a while actually yeah yeah but the closest i come recently was was probably a couple of months ago uh when the uh that chelsea podcast was was messaging me saying oh there's a lot of people in the cock if if you're if you're around the chiches here as well but yeah, it was too late to get down there. And I think I just jumped in via Duke and the Green quickly just to have a drink before the game. But yeah, I wouldn't have made it over in time. I think that was the closest I got recently. Well, don't panic. We've got a couple of uh, summer events, which I think we're going to appropriate as fan cast outings. One of which, of course, is Jonathan's gig. But uh, yeah, but uh, there's another one, I think, that uh, I'll tell you all about. I think Mark's already tipped the wink on that one anyway. We did, we did a song at the rehearsal the other day and um, <clears throat> it involves a lot of dancing. And I was so knackered, I had to go and fall over in the corner after it. So that really bodes all... well, doesn't it? No, so I've got to say, it doesn't augur well, does it? Oh, dearie <laughs> me. Oh, dear. Just, just take... No, 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 it'll be good, it'll be good. Take drugs, just... you'll be fine. 
funny enough, that's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, here's the question. Is top four in jeopardy now? Martin seemed to think it was in part one. Uh, just to give you the, the bald-arsed facts about this, uh, we're still third. I'm very disappointed that we've won 19 games, which is the same as Tottenham and one less than Arsenal. But I've been moaning about that for weeks. So let's, you know, pointless carrying on like an old windbag about it. Um, we've got 66 points and we've got four games left. Arsenal, uh, they've got 63 points and four games left. Spurs have got 61 points and four games left. This is my analysis, if you can bear with me. We've got Wolves at home, Leeds away. Liverpool in the Cup, obviously sandwiched between them. Leicester at home and Watford at home. We've got three home games in our last four games. Arsenal have got Leeds at home, Spurs away in the North London derby, uh, Newcastle away and Everton at home. And Spurs have got Liverpool away. Oh, how we laughed. Uh, They've got Arsenal at home in the North London derby, Burnley at home and Norwich away. This is how I think it's going to go down. I think Chelsea are going to get either seven or nine points, which would give us 73 stroke 75 points. Arsenal, I think, will get four or five points, which will give them 67 or 68. Spurs, I think, will get four or five points, which is 65-66. Now, I need to caveat this with the fact that Martin is ninth in the Premier League predictions and I am 30th. So how much of a pinch of salt you need to take with my predictions is up to you. That's my caveat emptor. But anyway... I'd I'd like to caveat as well. I mean, it's unlikely that we'll finish fifth. The fact that it's still at risk is... Is annoying in itself. It's annoying in itself. It's a bit of an indictment. It's just stupid draws. Let me just hear out my logic on this and I go straight straight to you, JK, I promise. Okay, I just wanted... Okay. No, no, go on. If if, if it can't wait. No, I just wanted to say, as I'm... 1527th yes. in the uh, in the in the predictions yes. um i'd like to say that uh, i think we'll win four points and still finish third well that's kind of what i'm saying in a way uh, now uh, here's my reasoning right we're going to either win or draw against wolves because wolves are absolutely undeniably on the beach nothing to play for leeds draw or lose because I think they're fighting relegation and it's a grudge match so they'll be bang up for it and of course they were meted out some serious injustice when we nicked it from them at home uh, we got the cup final no points for that obviously uh, and Chelsea versus Leicester I mean a lot of these last two could be affected by how it pans out in the cup final but I think we'll win against Leicester because Leicester are either going to be completely on the beach with nothing to play for or they might possibly be about to play in a European final so they will be distracted by that. And we will beat Watford because Watford will be relegated by then and they won't give a shit. So that's why I think we're going to get seven or nine points. So I think we'll definitely win two. We'll either win or draw one and we'll either draw or lose the other. OK, I've got my blue tinted specs on and I appreciate that. Arsenal and Spurs both getting four or five points. Well, I think Arsenal will beat Leeds. Sorry, I think, yeah, Arsenal will beat Leeds even though Leeds are fighting relegation. Um, they will... Uh, draw against Arsenal I think I mean I know this is a bit wishful thinking but I think they'll draw you know it's just those are often very close tense affairs I think Newcastle will beat Arsenal because Newcastle's form at home is is brilliant at the moment and I think that they might draw or lose against Everton even if they are at home because of course Everton are fighting relegation if they fight like they fought against us and Liverpool I think they'll do okay although of course they'll either be they might they might actually be safe or relegated by then so that's a bit of a difficult one to call uh, Spurs will lose to Liverpool. I mean, you know, they'll be fighting for the title and they're great at home. 
I've, as I said already, the North London derby will be a draw. I think they'll either draw or lose to Burnley because I think Burnley will, A, be still fighting to avoid relegation and Burnley always do well against Spurs. They have done in the past historically and I think they'll beat Norwich because Norwich are already relegated. I mean, the reality of the situation is is that Chelsea basically need uh, 76 points to guarantee third place, which is three wins and a draw, or 74 points to guarantee fourth place, which is two wins and two draws on the basis that Arsenal and Spurs get maximum points or if they draw or lose to each other. So basically, three wins and a draw guarantees third. Two wins and two draws guarantees fourth. JK. Yeah, but I think it'll be like last season. I think that they'll all come with their hopes nailed to the, the mast and the flag will go all limp and they'll just all... They'll just limp to the, use the same word. Um, they'll uh, they'll struggle. They'll 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 fall over themselves getting to the end of the season. And I think we'll then we'll beat Liverpool and then not win any of the other league games, but still come third. Because I think there will be a pattern from uh, similar to the end of last season. So in, in the same way that we didn't, you know, we was in other people's hands to get us um, get us into the into the top four. But I, I think. I, I, I think it's worse, Chidge, than what you're saying. I think they'll lose both Liverpool and both Tottenham and Arsenal will lose much more. I think they'll they'll just fall apart, actually. Well, I've predicted them losing two each, which is not, not bad out of four. Out of four, yeah. I think it might even losing three each or even drawing drawing them where they shouldn't. And they might even, you know, Norwich might even beat Tottenham the way, the way things have pan out. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced... That their their run runs in their run ins will be any good, and I think we'll just um, we'll just uh, uh, stagger over the line. Mm. I'm going to put the best case scenario here. We beat Wolves on Saturday. Tottenham lose their next two games against Liverpool and Arsenal, and then we can't finish lower than fourth. Yeah, which is kind of what I I was saying. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, it? I mean, if if um, if we beat Wolves, Liverpool beat Spurs, and we get something at Elland Road, it should seal the deal, really. Like I said, it's just frustrating that we are still worrying about this when... Should have been wrapped up weeks ago. ago. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We've been third. I mean, you know, there's another point which I'll bore you all with in a minute, but you're right. It should have been wrapped up weeks ago. I mean, they they seem... Sorry to interrupt, but they seem seem very mission-based and the missions were League and Champions League. League went ages ago and then as soon as almost as soon as the Champions League was done, then the results seem to have tailed off accordingly. I mean, we got those three points against West Ham, but that was borderline burglary. So um, who knows? I mean, annoyingly, Wolves are on a really bad run of form. So the pessimist in me is thinking, oh, shit, we know what's going to happen here. Because <laughs> they they lost 3-0 at home to Brighton over the weekend, and the manager absolutely put rockets up afterwards and the, how bad they all were so you know hopefully if it if that run can continue for just one more game that would be quite nice but um yeah i think we'll i think we'll get enough enough points to see us top four it's just a case of how soon we get them ideally it would be lovely to have it all sorted before the cup final wouldn't it just dane where do you stand on all of this i think tottenham might uh sorry I know people are not going to want to hear this, but I think Tottenham might get fourth. I I fancy a 
you know, if I'm going to pick two managers going up against each other in Arteta and Conte, I think, you know, he, he he's Conte's got Tottenham playing, a, a, you know, a certain way and they're sort of almost at a stage where he would like them to be, even though they, they obviously slipped up recently. I think, not, I think they drew with Brentford 0-0 and, and, and lost to Brighton at home 1-0. But, you know, when you've got obviously Harry Kane and, and, and our son firing on all cylinders uh, up against an Arsenal, I, I fancy Tottenham might finish fourth. But yeah, your thinking was absolutely correct on our games. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, Leeds have showed a lot of indifferent form this season and where they've been spanked quite a lot. I'm still not going to go into that game expecting freaking much. You know, it could be an Everton all over again. But, you know, I'm quite confident with the home games. I'm expecting, again, it's very blue-tinted, I know, but I'm expecting three, three wins out of our, our last four games. And those three wins, I'm, I'm hoping, will be the home games. Expecting there'll be the home games. Yeah, so you're a bit more positive in a way, I suppose I am. But I mean, there's a lot that's gone wrong. I mean, it does look like they've taken their eye off the ball mentally as far as the league is concerned, which is what Martin was saying, I think, and JK. Um, clearly thinking about the FA Cup final. I mean, the reality is I've seen that happen, you know, year after year after year with teams other than Chelsea. So why should we be surprised that we're only different? But I mean, JK, you know, short of, uh, I mean, Tuchel must be exasperated, but short of hypnotising the players, I'm not I'm not sure what else he can do, because if that is the case, you're battling a deep underlying human nature. I'm, I bet I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're... Uh... They're playing dreadfully badly. I, I just think we've they're just experiencing the same problems that we we had last season that Lukaku was supposed to solve. So um, they still have great passages of play where they hit the ball about beautifully. And uh, the, the, the thing that has, has to be folded into it is this, this tendency to make ludicrous errors now, which was never there before. So uh, I, I'm not um, I'm not convinced everything has gone completely wrong. Um, I just think we're we're almost aping the way we played towards the end of last season. You know, we ended up winning the Champions League. So uh, um, I think you know this is this is kind of the boiling point, isn't it? For the uh, this is the point where um, every game has a has a relevance that earlier on in the season it doesn't when because people are now fighting for their lives and people are fighting for... Uh, and also some instances, I think that the chairman may be having a go at the club to try and get as far up the league as possible so they can earn more money. Um, so there is, a, there is a lot more to play for at this time of the season. Um, so I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not... I'm bitterly disappointed by the way that we're, we're, we're not putting teams to the sword because it's exactly the same as last year. But you can't um, you can't criticise the players for uh, their lack of skill. There's still a great deal of skill. It just was Frank found a way of of preventing them from, from performing at their best. Was they don't they can't shoot because they're playing the opposition is playing in such a block. Um, well, they do shoot, but it either is miles over the bar, or it gets blocked. So I, I'm not um, I'm not actually as pessimistic about it, Chidge. I think that. Uh, um, if there is a next season for the club, um, uh, he'll have worked out the kind of players he wants. And uh, um, he can't keep playing some of the players. Who, I mean, I think I think what we were disappointed by, I think, was just his aspect of his selection at the weekend, because 
we, we, I know we predicted Werner playing, but I would really rather have given Zayek a go early on, or even Pulisic, because both of them came on and played quite well in the uh, the, the other game, um, the other day um, in the Spurs in the um, West Ham game. So uh, I, I'm uh, I, I'm not as I'm not as as I say pessimistic, Chidge. I don't think it's for, fatigue. I still think we're playing the ball around very well. Um, I don't think we've uh, the desire has gone mentally. Um, I just think whether he told them at the beginning of the Everton game, you know, just take it easy, just knock the ball around, just let them come to you. I don't know. I don't know what, what Tuchel does at the beginning of games. But we were very, we were still in control of the game in the first half. It was entirely down to the error. And you were completely screwed then. And I, I think that, that um, uh, it's getting the ball in the net is the problem. Still. Remains and, the problem. Yeah, still, yeah. So I, I'm not dissatisfied with the with the rest of the players. I think, as I say, you know, if he's given the opportunity to go next year, I think he would get different players in to perform <laughs> at a higher level. As you say, more skillful players in defence to be ball players. But um, uh, no, I can see us t- taking Wolves to the cleaners at the weekend, actually. Mm. That's the most uh, sanguine and positive I've heard you for a long, long time. You are You are more positive than me and i i'm i'm absolutely delighted to hear it i have to say particularly after my my despair at the weekend but well, my you, you, was, that was emotional you'd just been at the match yes you know yes. it makes a big no, but also i was i was pissed off with the with the referee and i was pissed off yeah. with the way the way we had succumbed but it, but we did get some decent shots in and there were some terrific saves by pickford i you know i still thought we we with the intensity um, um, was excellent for the last 20 minutes. And you think, why wasn't that applied early on? But perhaps it didn't need to be applied early on because we we were in control of the game. Perhaps Tuchel had said, um, if you control it and they don't score, they're, they're, they will just implode, which I thought they would do. I thought Everton would get knackered from the amount of pressing they were doing. But the goal <coughs> the goal changes all that, you know. So, um, uh, no, I'm... I'm I'm happy with them at the moment yeah. in, in, this, in the sense that I still like the skill and they dominate the passing. I love all of that. It's just the lack of precision is just absurd. Front, yeah. I mean, Dane, you know, JK is basically saying, you know, you're all panicking too much. I mean, I, I could quote here all the reasons I think it's gone tits up this season. Fatigue, form, injuries, getting knocked out of the Champions League. I think the way that, that happened had an impact. The sanctions, the uncertainty, players leaving the reduced capacity, and then old staples like the squad depth or lack of quality therein, and the wrong players for Tuchel. Uh, you know, but JK saying, no, it isn't stupid. It's because we can't put the ball on the net like last season, and we're now making stupid mistakes. I mean, sometimes it's Occam's razor, isn't it? Sometimes the simplest explanation is actually the explanation, and why overcomplicate it and get all kind of conspiratorial about it? What do you think? Oh yeah, I, I think there's an element of square pegs and round holes. You know, I'm 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 not as damning on 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 Timo Werner as 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 some others. Uh, I know his strengths. I haven't seen him us play to his strengths since Frank was in charge. Uh, he's sort of striker, but you know, sometimes I talk about Ziyech being quite limited, and I don't mean that in a negative. I'm just. You, you, there's more uh, positive. There's more obviously negatives to their game than positives. With Timo, you need to you know stick him up front as far up as possible and just leave him up there. He, he, he's he's coming deep, 
and getting involved in, in 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 the players has become better in recent weeks. But it was it was awful for a while, and he's sort of been asked to do a role that he's not comfortable with, and 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 you know he's not suited to his game. He's he's never been someone who's played out on the left. As I said, I don't know if I said it on this show or, or another one, but there's a difference between playing through the middle and drifting out to the left to actually being stuck out on the left, and and and. Until recently, actually, obviously, we saw him more against Southampton drifting through Central and Real Madrid, uh, coming more, more, more central. But he, you know, he, he is he's he's, he's going to struggle in the Premier League, and, and as you know, Martin rightly said, he's going to be devastating against Southampton and this stupid high line against us, which we completely exploited. But in a game against Everton, I, I I'm baffled as to to why he starts. Uh, Unless you are literally sticking him as far up as possible, don't come back and just 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 hope for something. And same with Lukaku, you know, this is 150 million worth of talent, including Werner, and we have, we, we, you know, we're not playing to their strengths, and we can we can talk all we want, you know, we all sit at the ground, you know, we're, we're all seasoned to get older, you know, and you've got your eye on the ball, you've got your eye on the player, and the amount of times him and Timo, you know, will go go to go go, and they don't get that early ball and. It's not me making excuses for them. It's just me having watched them for so many years play football and get the early ball, and, and they're both that both suits their game. And but having said that, I actually agree with JK. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not damning on it. I'm 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 optimistic. As I said to you a little while ago, I think we're going to win our three home games. It's just you know we absolutely against United. You know, if you take away the missed chances, we was. We, we was amazing, you know, everything to build up to the play and cutting them open. And some people might say, well, that's not that hard. You know, this is the worst United team team in years. But, you know, we did do what we were supposed to do. We just couldn't put the ball in the net. And again, against Real Madrid as well, way, you know, devastating. And I said, Southampton, we've had a couple of hiccups, but I think they are tired. And you can see both sides of your point. You made some really good, you know, points which you built up to obviously counteract JK. But, yeah, I'm not as damning, and I would just love a summer with, with it all to settle down. And just, I'd love to know what 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 a perfect Tuchel player is. You know, transfer target because I I don't believe he he asked for Lukaku, but I believe he was offered Lukaku, and he said, yeah, sure. Yeah, interesting stuff, Martin. Um, it's a good point that Dane makes about Tuchel. Uh, I mean, I've got two two questions really. One is how much of this can be you know how much of this should or could Tuchel be blamed for and what does he have to do to sort it out so we get the wins and the points that we need to make sure I would like us I mean I would like us to finish third rather than fourth because I think we need to show some sort of progress from last year and I also think we need to come under 19 points off Man City because I think we need I don't know I just as a supporter I, I need to feel that we're making progress so What's he got to do to sort that out? Uh, you know, make sure we get the wins. But also, is is he is he responsible or is what well, he's responsible? Obviously, but is he to blame for any of this? I think he does have a little bit of culpability. I mean, it's not in not this is not aimed at anyone on this show or indeed most Chelsea fans. But there are certain criticisms that were made of Frank Lampard as Chelsea manager for individual player blaming and throwing players under the bus, and occasionally Tuchel has started to do that a little bit when he's highlighted the individual mistakes. Lampard done the same thing and he got panelled. So I know Tuke was in is in the rare position for a Chelsea manager in the last twenty years, and that right now he cannot be sacked. But I think um, you know maybe he's highlighting it. And I do agree with him. There have been horrendous individual mistakes, but you are the coach. If players are making those mistakes, 
think of an alternative. I know, you know, we are missing key players, but, you know, he showed he wasn't scared of playing youngsters earlier in the year, admittedly, early rounds cup games against National League and League One opposition. But, you know, certainly if we can, you know, get top four sorted early, then the game against, well, certainly against Watford, play some of these players. I mean, we don't know when the takeover is going to be sorted. So he may be constrained on what he can bring in anyway, just the simple fact that we have to wait for the takeover process to finish. So he may be having to make doing men for quite a while. So if he's going to stay here, and I don't see any reason why at the moment why he wouldn't, um, he's you know, got to be brave. We've got players coming back from loans, assess them. There's no international tournaments this summer. So he, in theory, he should have plenty of time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like him to cheer up a little bit because I think certainly he was a fantastic diplomat at the start of this latest shit show. But I think it is, he just wants to, I think he just wants the season to end. Bit, bit like me in that respect. Well, I, I, I want, I mean, you know, and I, you know, I mean, I know I'm a psychotherapist and all of that. So I do kind of notice these things if you, if you see what I mean. But I think it's unavoidable. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you've been involved uh, in it, Martin, ever. I, I have. And if you work for a company that's subject to a, either a hostile takeover or a merger and acquisition, yeah, it's... Well, I'll ask you in a minute how that felt for you, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me that it was, it was unnerving, it was unsettling, and, you know, everybody was filled with uncertainty, and nobody likes change, and that has an impact. Why should Tuchel and the players be any different? They're human beings. Exactly. That was that was my experience of it. It's good, good eight years ago now. But yeah, you do. There is uncertainty. We were told there would be redundancies. Mm. It was a very unsettling time, and it's not nice. Now I don't, I, you know, there are players out of contract. I don't know. Situations probably not the same for the players, but there are people who work at Chelsea who have lost their jobs as a result of the sanctions. So that's yeah. a shit situation. Yeah. So being in that environment. It can't. It can't be. It's certainly not an ideal working environment. Although a lot of them are paid very well for it. Well, yeah, but that doesn't. But really, no, that's no. not a. It's not a solution. It doesn't doesn't know exactly. Well, talking of the takeover, which we've kind of beautifully segued into, uh, the latest. There's lots of latest because this is a. Uh, it's a. What, what do they call it? A constantly breaking story. Uh, the fuck I'd call yeah, it. <laughs> absolutely. What did I call it? A bohemian crapsody. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, what we know is that the Bowley bid is supposed to be the preferred bidder. They've got this exclusivity thing going on with club, the club and Rain to kind of try and tie up the deal this uh, this week. Um, but I think there are issues with that bid. I'm very worried that Clear Lake, who are a private uh, capital company, an investment fund management company, if you like are going to own a private equity company. They're, they're, they're going to own 60% of Chelsea Football Club. That does not fill me with confidence and uh, it makes me feel very nervous. So there are issues that it's a consortium. It's a it's an agglomeration of interests who will who will be in charge. Um, on the plus side, you know, we've got this, the, the, the track record at, uh, at LA Dodgers and the, the whole kind of stats-based management approach like FSG in Liverpool and it's worked for Liverpool. There's no reason why it shouldn't work for us, providing they get the right people. Finkelstein being involved is a good thing because Finkelstein basically was the mentor to Ian Graham, who's the guy that's done it at Liverpool. 
So that's not a bad thing. And then there's the other side of it. And I was reading an article today about a speech that Bowley gave sometime this year. And every word in that speech should be enough to put the fear of God and the ire of anger into every legacy fan's uh, consciousness because it was all about customer doing this for the customer and basically setting up little tiers of products for the customers to buy, setting up super fans who basically pay more for some sort of access. And Yeah, it, I've read it. It's, it's, it's very worrying and I don't like that one bit, which is kind of confirming my view that these guys are all all basically to basically extract as much profit from the club as possible and to commercialise and exploit everything that they can, including us. So there's that. Now, on the other side, we've now got the Radcliffe bid, which we're told is on the back... Officially, we're told it's on the back burner. I don't believe that, but we're told it is, and it's not going to win. And that's got a whole bundle of conflicting things. It's British, I'll be honest with you. It would put a wry smile on my face to be owned by you know, a Brit again, it doesn't really make any difference. Let's let's be very honest here. But What part of Britain is Monaco in? Yeah, but I think the point I'm saying, the bit that will put a smile on my face is the meltdown and the, uh, the, the general hatred it will get from a large proportion of the so-called social media fan base. I think that would be quite... That must make me laugh, really, Martin. Um, Radcliffe says it won't be for profit. He doesn't need to make money out of it. Um, it's not more money. It's actually less than the other bids, so I've learned. It'll be one owner, one mad despotic owner, which we're all used to and can get our heads around. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, Ratcliffe, as a, as a UK national, understands the culture of football in this country, which I think makes me cheery. He claims to be more ambitious, which makes me cheery. And then the other hand, and I mean, you know, this depends on where your politics are, really. He's a big Tory donor and he's a Brexiter, but again... That shouldn't really, you know, that's a bit like he support, you know, oh, he supports Spurs. It shouldn't really have anything to do with the club, whether you like it or not. And that depends on your personal politics. And then, Martin, and then, hang on one sec, I'm sitting away working my bollocks off all afternoon with a complete media media blackout. And what do I find when I get home? Too late to include in the script? Uh, what I find out is that... Um, that basically uh, there are worrying, worrying, this is a Times article that came out today. Oh, good God, how does one explain this simply? That basically that Abramovich, there are fears that Abramovich is attempting to renege on his promise to write off a 1.6 billion debt. So if you remember, he was saying, I'm going to basically waive the debt because it doesn't bother me. And my understanding was that um, normally he would be receiving money for the sale of Chelsea over and above what the debt was which is unusual because quite often actually you know in other times like when Bates bought it from the Mears family he paid a quid basically but he wiped off all the debt Roman did the same when he bought it so he paid 80 million which was the debt that the club had but he didn't have to pay any more than that so we're in an unusual situation but there seems to be concerns that what he's trying to do is to hive it off into another company which apparently has an interest in and maybe he's kind of going back on this idea that uh, he doesn't want the money that's simply it and I think if that happens the fear is that the deal will break down because it's undoable because the government have said all along that they don't want him to receive a penny for it uh, therefore the money needs to be put somewhere else but of course being the government they haven't actually suggested what to do about that uh, but nevertheless the sort of Damocles is hanging over the club thanks to Nadine Doris saying if they do not sort this deal out and get it all sorted by the 31st of May, she'll pull the plug, which means we go, as Martin was and I were saying earlier, down the Gary Glitter. 
I think that's about it from me, Martin. But if you lot would like to take that up and try and make some sense of it, please do. I actually think it's, it could be a, a, a political gesture and uh, an anti-English gesture by um, uh, that he's been persuaded, Roman, by uh, Putin uh, to, um, to try to get the club to be uh, to, to not exist anymore. Because that's a power that they would then have to be able to say, uh, yeah, but look what we've done. We've, we've, um, we've stopped Chelsea from competing. You're not letting any of our, our players and our, um, our teams compete. So um, we have the ability to stop your club from existing. I don't and think I the government what... would give one shit about that. What do you mean the government wouldn't? Well, what I'm trying to say is that if he, if he wants the money instead and he wants to put the money into this um account from the, the the company that he owns that was running the club anyway surely that is completely illegal because that goes against what the sanctions are supposed to be because it means he's still trying to keep the money and therefore the government would go right well we can't have this we're going to close the club down is that not what, what the the assessment would be in this well situation. they've always stated the government have always stated that the reason in this is happening that they will grant the yeah. license for a sale on the basis yeah. that roman doesn't yeah. have take anything out absolutely. of it absolutely but if he insists on the money going into an account that he owns and has interest in then they've got no alternative but to cl close yeah, the club exactly down. that exactly so this that. is this is what it looks to me as if this looks like a political gesture from russia well, yes, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It could also, I think Martin and I were discussing this earlier, it, you know, what we're dealing with here are people who are billionaires and run massive organisations like the Bowleys, you know, all of their interests. We're talking a lot, very rich people, with a lot of money. Uh, it, they're political by their very nature, but so is the British government. I mean, you're dealing with proper, proper, proper politicians. And maybe Roman is, it may, this is what we in the old days used to call, this is just negotiation. You know, basically, you end up with a Mexican standoff who blinks first. So maybe he's threatening that to basically get the government to play ball or Bowley to play ball or even get Ratcliffe in. I don't know what it is, but I think that there may be something going on. But that's because I'm a conspiratorial theorist. No, Martin? I agree. I think there's something going on. But I think that perhaps it is to actually shoehorn Ratcliffe in. It could be. Um, could yeah. be. Because the others will object to paying that and he'll then go, oh, I'll pay that. Yeah, and then he gets the club. Maybe, maybe Martin. What do you think? Well, I think there's some credence to that. I mean, Ratcliffe wasn't Jim Ratcliffe wasn't going to publicly throw himself out there on the Friday hours after. The thing is, it's not been officially confirmed by anyone that Bowley's the preferred bidder. It's been communication via rumour. There's been nothing from Rain officially. There's been nothing from Chelsea Football Club officially. We're just hearing reports from journalists who are reasonably well, well I, sourced. I think it's the the, the wrong. It's sorry about him, Martin. It's the rule of numbers, isn't it? Because we know yeah. that Broughton and Pagliuca are not are out of the frame. Yeah, but no one said who's in the frame. So yeah, it's, well, that, the only yeah. people left in the frame, therefore, are Would is be Bowley. Bowley and Poss and we don't know how Ratcliffe is approaching this deal. Rat Ratcliffe, Ineos, whatever you want to call it. I mean, one thing I didn't you didn't mention about the Ratcliffe bid, and if if the Pagliuca bid was nobbled by having a shareholding in Atalanta. And Ratcliffe owns Nice in France. So UEFA are going to go straight away, presuming if they both qualify for European competitions, hang on, you've got two ownerships there. That's, you know, you've got to get rid of one of those. I presume Nice will be 
hived off somewhere and um yeah but he could always sell it to roman that i was about to bloody <laughs> say that you sneaky kid just swap <laughs> clubs <laughs> um but but yeah i mean i don't particularly like jim ratcliffe's politics but you know that's by the by like you say i don't know about i mean he does a lot of sports sponsorship whether that makes him a good sports owner who knows there's only one way to find out and Bowley's, if you know, Bowley's got ambitions on TV rights. Well, he's going to find there's not a lot he can do with it because I'm, I'm guessing what you're referring to is him, you know, selling the LA Dodgers rights, streaming per game and things like that, and making a pretty penny out of it. Well, there's a collective agreement in the Premier League at the moment, so he's not going to be able to do that. Not Might if there's a, a European bit... Super League. Well, he's certainly not going to. He's certainly not going to say no to that, is he? That's one. I mean, that's another thing. I've said it before, Martin. It, it's no coincidence to me that as far as the English clubs who are involved in the European Super League were concerned, it was all of those that were owned by American owners who were the last to pull out. There's a reason yes. for that. No, of, of course. I mean, they all, um, you know, there's all these rumours we've heard in the past that, you know, they didn't get the concept of relegation. I don't think Bowley's that stupid. But, um, you know, they don't, you know, baseball teams have farm systems, so they bring up their players through that and they're able to draw from colleges. We don't have that. So are they going to use the academy more? Are they are they going to lean on it more to, um, to you know, buy big? Who knows? As for, you know, stats-based management, I don't see how that works. In It works in baseball because if you ever watch baseball, there's yeah, money, fucking stats. Money ball, isn't it? Well, no, there's, there's fucking <clears throat> stats all over the shop. Yeah, so, but this is about recruitment, I think. And I think yeah. Brentford have been very famous for doing it. Brighton have, and Liverpool, I would argue. I mean, look, it's hard to yeah. argue that Liverpool's recruitment policy in recent times has been spot on. I'm, I'm, I'm and not ours disputing. has been shocking. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, but saying it, <clears throat> seeing it purely through Moneyball, I don't think is correct. I think you, there, are certain, there are certain ways you can get more value in the transfer market and not overspend on what we've done, but we need to get the right people in to do it. So I suspect well, I that... I agree with that. I suspect that if, should the Bowley bid win, the people doing that side it will still need to be appoint, yeah. recruited and appointed. Yeah. So either way, it's gonna there's it's gonna be a an extensive rebuild. But um, yeah, I mean, I, and a, as for Nadine Doris last week, I mean, I thought she was just talking shit at the time. Now, well, she certainly was speaking out of turn. But now we know there seems to be a hard deadline of the thirty first of May. In theory. Bowley's got exclusivity on the on talks this week. So what happens after that? Who knows? If he can't reach an agreement because Romans moved the goalpost slightly, then everyone, I would imagine, is back in play. Apart from one thing, and I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, if we look at it technically, if they don't wrap up the process with Bowley this week, or and or they decide they don't want Bowley and. Ratcliffe steps in it's going to it's going to extend the process there's no doubt about that and that would jeopardize the 31st of May deadline yeah. unless and remember what I said this the, you're dealing with people who are massive political players on both sides of the fence here whether they be the Americans whether they be Ratcliffe whether they be Roman and whether they be the British government and you know Nadine Doris is as thick as mints but she's a player Whatever you whatever you say about her intellect, she is a player. And she could be part of this issue that actually the government very much want Ratcliffe because he's a Tory donor and he's one of them in every sense of the word. 
but they don't want the shit to stick to them because what they like to do, this is a Teflon government, nothing sticks to them at all. And they'll avoid any, any, I mean, you know, either they don't give a shit about the scandals or they just try and avoid it. So it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to lean on Roman and uh, get him to take the flack for this by doing this, which actually allows Ratcliffe to come in, which is what the government want. And they would much be, be much happier granting a license to Ratcliffe than they would to Bowley. And there's probably some financial deal wrapped up in that for Boris and his mates. And then you potentially start spark a diplomatic incident with America if Bowley cries foul. The the US government won't give a shit because it happens every week in America. I mean, this is how how business works. I mean, God, we were comparing it on Friday to being gazumped when you're trying to buy or sell a house. That that, That sounds like a fairly close analogy. At the at the moment, but we shall see what 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 gets me and probably what causes a lot of the uncertainty, certainly on social media, is a complex business deal being reported like it's a fucking transfer. Mm. <laughs> you know, it helps no one. It's not like trying to, you know, buy a centre back from Sevilla or whoever. There's a lot more involved in it, and sensationalist reporting doesn't help. No. You had Carve Solicon on Sky Sports yeah. News earlier going on breathlessly about the latest development it's just not you need to it needs to calm down because if you you know we're a bit more up on the subject matter because well, we have to so we're paying more attention to it if you're not you'd think chelsea are going bust at the end of the month regardless that nothing's happened oh and but that- it's but this is politics sorry to butt in martin this is politics too this is this yeah. is why why governments get elected because they scare the shit out of the population who who believe what they're hearing, reading, seeing, and vote accordingly. And this is, I mean, I, when I, I was a television producer for 20 years, and I, the, the mantra that was given to me all the time when I was making certain types of programs was, it has to have tension, drama, and jeopardy, otherwise people won't watch it. We're addicted to the adrenaline rushes that paranoia and uncertainty and fear give us. And this is no different. And, that's, and also, of course, for Carve Calavol or whatever his name is, uh, you know, it's all it, it. It you know, it basically gets people engaged, or the journalist that writes about it, it gets people to click on that article, and every time you click, it makes them money. Dane, if you if you sorry, go on, Martin. Final point. Sorry. No, not if you put an ad blocker on. That's not if you put an ad blocker on. Uh, Dane, uh, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts as you kind of you, you know you're the mid Atlantic representative, really, aren't you? Where what do you, what do you think about all of this? I was quite relaxed, uh, even even after all, all the crap that come out of Twitter today. But now listening to you, like, yeah, but it's it's. I'm I've, sorry I've about tend- that. <laughs> <laughs> I've tended to stop listening to certain people on Twitter, and 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 as Martin said, the guy in Sky Sports talking about one of the biggest clubs in in England and the world potentially could be going out of business. Yeah, again, it's very scaremongering. And, and as I say, if you're just tuning in and seeing that, and 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 not being kept up to date on Twitter or or whatever, through whatever social media, it can be quite worrying. I've sort of tended to follow a guy called Ben Jacobs yeah. on, on Twitter, who I quite, he seems to be quite with it. I don't know if he's changing tack now because he's getting more followers because he did tweet earlier on a big Chelsea update coming later. And I thought, oh, you're not going down that road, are you? Uh, but apart before that and, and leading up to that, he's, he's, he's really broke things down and, and, and made it, made it so easy to, to understand and form an opinion. Yeah, you know, I've sort of been talking to Brian Wolf, like, you know, DMing him and asking him about Bowley and, and obviously 
he didn't have a, he didn't know a lot similar to what we know, you know, and, and, and how, who would be taken over the big stake. And he talks a good game, doesn't he? Todd Bowley, I suppose, like most Americans and he, he sounds good. And like you, I was a little bit concerned uh, when he talked about the super fan and, and, and all that, because uh, apart from that before then, I'd liked everything he said. And now with this, yeah, with the, with the recent bid coming in on Friday, yeah, it's. I I was always like Tony Glover. Actually, I was like, well, I've got no say in the matter. I've got no play in the matter. And whoever's going to take over, it, it, you know, it's it, it is it's going to be what it's going to be. And I've actually been quite relaxed about it. Initially, I was worried, uh, like a typical male, you know, no man likes change and all that. But the more I thought about it, the more I was relaxed. But so yeah, I'm just I'm just. I'm quite chill about it, really. I mean, you know, remarkably so am I. I don't for one minute think that that the club's going to go out of business and this is going to be allowed to happen because, I mean, I said it before, I mean, it's interesting, actually, now with the benefit of hindsight, JK was, you know, telling us all the other week that he had a a theory that this this is a possibility and it was a very real worry that it might do. And, of course, that's a reality, that that possibility exists – but as I said, I, I, I just don't think they're going to let it happen. I think this is all part of the negotiating and the politicking around this. Because as I said, you know, effectively, you've got a government who are involved in the sale and purchase of a football club. So that complicates it. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And people will, like just like in politics. I mean, I don't know if you follow politics in this country, but all week, Keir Starmer's being, you know... Uh, you know, basically smeared by some of the press, so as Angela Rayner. It's what these guys do. They brief against each other. For fuck's sake, it happens in the Tory party every week. They're always briefing against each other. And this is could be part of the process or, or of Or looking going at on. pictures of tractors. Or looking at pictures of tractors. Or, or, uh, or, or, do we explain that to our... No, they'll, they'll have to listeners. figure it out. No, you know. no, yeah. Just don't... If you do look look up that reference, do not do it on a work link computer otherwise you may be in there's a tractor called dominator do not click on that link i did think i did sorry sorry to change the subject slightly from please do (laughs) but i did i did think it was quite funny how you know how how you said about you know you wouldn't be surprised if if boris and all his all his cronies wanted to get their fingers in their pies it was quite funny how they had uh uh, is it the arsenal ex-chief executive david dean coming out today you know saying that some of the money from the south should be put into grassroots you know, football and all that, and putting his little sixpence in, and and that's and, the same David Dean who's been cry asking for twenty years about us, you know, firing fifty pounds. That's, that's why he's doing it. That's yeah. why he's doing yeah. it. Crick. Something yeah. the Premier League should be doing, but they don't, don't know if they haven't done or they haven't done in years or something. So yeah, well, that's well, they've, cer- they've, cer- they've certainly been using every excuse in the book to you know justify not helping out clubs further down the pyramid. So and who was involved in that process for most of it? Oh, that would be David Dean. Yeah, well, he was the one who, you know, one of the six who you know broke away from the football league. He was indeed. Um, all right, uh, I think we've probably done gone as far as we can on that, but uh, don't worry, we'll keep you informed later than everybody else on any developing and breaking news because that's how we roll on the fancast. Uh, what you can do, because you can't do anything about this, we have no input, no control over this process at all. We just have to to stare at it through the window, like on with our noses pressed up against the cold window, like a small child looking at all the wonderful things going on inside. We can do nothing. But what you can do is you can actually own a piece of Chelsea by buying yourself a Chelsea pitch owner's share, uh, and that means you have a share of the freehold of the stadium, and it protects it from being sold to anybody 
nefarious in the future, making sure that football is played at Stamford Bridge, its spiritual home forever. So that means that when they do make it go bust, we'll still have the ground of the pitch and we can play with uh, jumpers for goalposts on there and be very happy and content, no doubt. JK can go in goal. Uh, anyway, I was going to ref. I was going to you, ref. You could ref, yes, because you're kind of retired, really, haven't you? Mate, if I, if I played a game of football now, I would die of a heart attack. I kid you not. Uh, and I'd certainly pull both my hammies and my calves at the same time. I would outdo you. Uh, but anyway, go and buy yourself a share. It really makes sense to do so. Uh, it gives you a little bit of power in terms of what happens at the club. Uh, the cheapest shares are priced at 110 quid. That's for an electronic share. Yes, you can buy them if you're overseas, by the way. Uh, and the more expensive ones, which are signed by Chelsea players and framed about 173 quid, go to Chelsea Pitch Owners by searching on the Chelsea FC website. And of course, while you're doing that, uh, again, if you want to have or attempt to have some input, uh, then you can join the Chelsea Supporters Trust, of course, membership of which costs £5 a season and also gets you a nice, shiny, lovely badge. Uh, and as a member, you get input and say onto all of the important issues uh, that are going on uh, within the club in terms of being a supporter. So kick-off times, ticket prices, European Super League. We're, we're part of the Football Supporters Association, so there's quite a lot of power behind that. This is what really led to the the fan-led review, we had input, the FSA had input, and here we are maybe on the verge of getting it if we get the right owner. So, you know, there's, it's, not, it's not completely redundant or irrelevant. Uh, also, you get to attend meetings and vote in our elections. You can stand for election. You can put forward motions at the AGM. So you could get to have a bit of a, you know, you can have a go, basically. If you don't like what we do, then go and get involved yourself. Very simple. Right, uh, after this very short break, we've got oodles of questions and emails from you, the dear listeners. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, uh, we're on part three, which is the last part this week. No match to preview, so we've got lots of questions from Discord. And we've got uh, lots of emails, which JK and I will read out. So without further ado, we've got one from Jason Parrott. Uh, and he says, these are all from Discord, by the way. Uh, and you get to be a Discord member by being a Chelsea fancast patron. Details of which I will announce later. Now, seeing where Liverpool is now, says Jason, do we hope that the new ownership looks at some of their blueprints after their purchase? Lock up top tier manager on a new deal and support him with lots of money. Uh, who wants to answer it? Put your hand up and off you go. Don't rush at once, JK. It seems a pretty logical way to... It's just business practice, isn't it? The way that Liverpool have done it. You appoint a fantastic manager. He's one of the best in Europe and you you support them. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but it's not... Um, I don't think... Uh, I don't think they need to look at the, their blueprint after the purchase. I think you that's what you would expect anybody who wants to get success to do so i mean i think as i mean look the one thing that really encourages me about the bowley bid is and i mean you know that here's the barefaced reality all the bids are saying the same things they're, they're they're telling us that there will be 350 million a week but going back to the nhs and everything will be wonderful they're just telling us what we want to hear so we don't know if they'll be as good as their word but what i did like about what bowley said was number one 
that everything that he does has to be for the fan. I don't like the fact that he said fans, but, you know, small uh, semantics from me, really. Uh, that's, that encourages me. But actually, what encourages me more was the really simple business logic that actually Chelsea, even Ron Gourlay got this. I know this because he told me in about 2008. But basically, everything at the club has to be geared towards success on the pitch. Because if you have success on the pitch, you will have success in terms of profitability and business. And he's kind of right, although Roman would throw a big spanner in the work by overspending on players. But essentially, there's logic to that. And Bowley says the same thing. So if you like, if you like a lot, if you like a lot of biscuit on your, if you like a lot of uh, chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. Remember that song, J.K. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. That's right. If you like a lot of aggro in your football, join our club. That was the actual chant that we used to sing. But um, if you like a lot of trophies with your football and a lot of success, and that's why you're here, then you're going to want that to happen, I think. So we shall see. Uh, next question. Loz Barnes. Good old Loz. He's in Mixler tonight. I bet he didn't expect this to be read out. Uh, Rudy's leaving. Question is, how magnified are the calls on Tamori? and Gay now both first teamers in big leagues when we've lost our bulldog also does loyalty matter in football anymore oh for the days of chopper harris who wants that one okay martin <laughs> um well she definitely have tried to keep at least one of the two i would have preferred that to be Fikayo tamori but he decided he wanted to move on and get first team football at ac milan um i think they got caught out with the sanctions. I don't think they were expecting, you know, to not be able to offer Rudiger any further. Because bear in mind, even if he wanted to stay at the moment, they can't put him on a new contract. So, yeah, I think they they rather snookered themselves by leaving it as long as they did. Um, you know, I would, I would like to have kept some more in. There's a lot of talk of Levi Colwell, but with the greatest of respect, Huddersfield to Chelsea is a jump. I don't know how ready he is to make that yet. I've heard good things, but we shall see. And on the loyalty thing, it's a two-way street. Um, you know, it's a short career. You're retired at 35. You make most of it while you can and at the top price if you can get it. Yeah. JK? Well, perhaps Rüdiger wants, just wants to play in Madrid, you know. I mean, yeah. he wants his, wants a change of scene, you know. Yeah. He's a I mean, he, he might... He, he, okay. Sorry to interrupt, but he, he may struggle playing in a in a four. But there's, there's yeah. the other the, the other thing is he's he's got a big charity thing with Sierra Leone, hasn't he? Yes, the more that. money he makes from a, and, from the Tamori point of view, I was going to say. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, no, just that you know from that the charity thing he has in Sierra Leone. So if it Real Madrid are associated with it, it's got that much more cachet because it's the biggest football mm. club in the world. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Let's say about about Tamori was. Um, uh, have we found out yet why he wanted to leave? No. Did he fall out with Frank? We haven't. I mean, it seems to me he, apparently he's learnt the language and is just um, in love with Italy. Perhaps he was the kind of person from a personality point of view. Um, I think he was doing a degree, wasn't he, who just wanted to change. He fancied playing football in in Italy. Didn't think he was getting particularly going to get into the first team and uh, appears to have made a wonderful choice because he's... Um, uh, he's starring every week. So he's on, the, he's on the verge of winning the Serie A title as well, because yeah. he yeah. balls it up. <laughs> I mean, you know, we can't underestimate or or, or belittle uh, professional footballers who 
are impatient. Self-improvement. Well, I was yeah. about to say in, in, impatient uh, to play because, okay, you could say, well, chaps, if you really believe you're that good or you're good enough to play for Chelsea, then you know that you will will get that break. But, uh, you know, really the evidence is, is all against that, bar Reese and Mount. So if, you're, if you really think you're good enough to be making a career out of football and you want to play and you want to play now because you're ready then you're going to vote with your feet. And that's what Gahey did, and that's what Tamori did, and that's what Liveramento did. They also might make more money out of it, Chidge, ultimately, if they think I do play in the first team for these teams and I do pretty well and I become an England international, my next move might be even yeah. more financially yeah. viable than, uh, than playing for Chelsea or not getting into the Chelsea side. But I think that answers the other part of Loz's question quite happily. Loz, there's no such thing as loyalty in football. At this juncture, I would normally say the only thing that's loyal in football are the supporters. But having seen the new breed of supporters that have been coming along for the last 10 years, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure if I agree with that anymore. Uh, but there ain't... I mean, the, you know, the bottom line is these are professional footballers. Professional. That means they're paid to do it. It is their job. And like any one of us... If somebody comes along offering you better terms, better more money, a better prospect, you're going to take it seriously because you earn your living by doing it. And I wouldn't begrudge anybody doing that, you know. Uh, and and it, we're, the, we're the idiots that sit there, you know, uh, loving them all to death and loving it when they kiss the badge and thinking that they're like us. They're not like us anymore. The only difference is that, and it'll be interesting to see this this tested. I know there are some people saying it's going to be tested very soon. I think that's an absolute load of mischievous newspaper bullshit. But it'll be interesting to see how this pans out with the likes of Reese and, and Mount and Mason Mount because, you know, they've been at the club for six, well, I mean, since they were six and eight. So, you know, maybe maybe they might break that mould and genuinely be loyal. We shall see. Uh, last well, just, sorry to interrupt, but on that mischievous reporting, these fuckwits clearly didn't read the sanctions properly. We can't fucking sell anyone. Well, that's the clue in the bullshitness of it, isn't it? Uh, last question from our dear friend J.K. Prash, Prashanth. Uh, he says, do you guys honestly, who's basically Lukaku's number one fan, I need to out him on this point as he and I are always arguing about it on Discord. Uh, do you guys honestly think we can bridge the gap with Brozier and Kai next season without integrating a recognised striker? Or do you feel we can do it by getting an upgrade on the wings stroke midfield? Who would like that? Dane, would you like a pop of that one? Regarding Kai... I really like him as a striker. I think that's his best position. I think he brings so many other players into the game by his movement. You know, he drifts left or right. He comes deep. He's actually really got great movement and he can finish, even though we, we, we've we seen him struggle recently. Uh, he would be perfect with a, with a Salah or a Mane either side of him. So then if he is having a little bit of a down couple of games, you obviously you've got goals either side. Uh, yeah, but obviously he struggles recently, but you've got to look at his age. He's 22. If you look at his goals and assists at the same age of, of same players uh, who, who've gone on to, to be world-class players in the game, you know, it's better than them. You know, you can't write him off. He's either going to click or it isn't. You know, we've seen players, you know, as world-class as drug, but, you know, you not find their feet until they're 25. Now I know we can't wait around playing him uh, season in, season out until he finds his his goal-scoring feet. It's either going to come or not. But I prefer him as a striker. But it is a risk, isn't it? If, if you're going in next season with him and Broya, who seem to have struggled uh, struggled recently, uh, 
you know, you know, like most players, you know, it's all good at the beginning when when they're scoring and getting man of the matches. But when they go on a, on their first sort of barren spell, I've got a Southampton supporter uh, at my work, and he's told me you you starting to see season a lot more of his negatives now. He's struggling, which they obviously didn't see before because he's not on the top of his game at the moment. So that would be a massive risk. But if you put goals either side of Kai and like Prush says you know if you've got an upgrade on the wings of someone who's going to guarantee you goals to an extent although that's a contradiction because there's no guarantee then it will make a, a player like Kai Kai look better you know imagine you know he's got we, we still have we're still undecided on Mason's best position and uh we obviously I, I've got my reservations about Werner being played out of position and you know Ziek to an extent uh Pulisic that's another conundrum. So no, none of the strikers have seemed to work under Tuchel. So it'd be interesting if him to to be given a summer if he sticks with the you know the wing backs and and that one forward with with two playing off him and and just his whole feelings. And as I said earlier, that I'd love to know what a Tuchel player is. You know who who he thinks would would fit into our system. I'd also uh, Dane on that very excellent point you made would add. I'd like to see what a Tuchel system really is. Because yes, basically, yes, since the yes. day he's arrived, he's played on a system to deal with the players that he's got and to protect them from their weaknesses, which is why we play three at the back. Um, so I'd like to see that too. I mean, I, I have to say for myself, I, I would like to get uh, an experienced and proven striker, but I mean, do they exist anymore? You know, What happens to Kai then, though, Jidge? Well, this is my point. I think you made this point too, actually, that so few Chelsea players this season because of the amount of games, the injuries, the covid form you name it have played in their true positions Kai is not a striker he's not a number nine but he's been kind of forced into having to play there and I think he's done a pretty good job on the whole uh, Pulisic very rarely plays in his best position Ziyech the same you could argue there's an awful lot of players in this side who through necessity are not playing in their natural or best positions and I don't think that helps either um, but I do think the one addition we really need to make and we are desperately lacking is a proper kind of, you know, creative midfielder, creative goal-scoring midfielder slash number 10. Martin? Um, I'm following on from Mr. X being a bit mischievous on Twitter last night. Christian Eriksen. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, Luka Modric also did a great job for Real Madrid, but I just think he's too old. But yeah, that we, yeah, we need somebody with flair who can do something different. You know, we we, we mentioned we we evoked uh, we invoked the hazard clause earlier on. Okay, he's a generational player; it doesn't come around every week. But somebody who can do something different, who can unlock a defense on their own, who can put players in, you know, no matter what the system is, you know, that's what we really don't have. And I think we and, really need it. And I think, you know, you talked about players playing, you know, afraid of making a mistake. Well, I think he's 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 always risen above that. I think once you've nearly died on a football pitch, you know, misplacing a pass isn't really going to scare you that much, is it? No, so, no. yeah, it's unlikely, but I I'd wouldn't take complain him. if it happened. I'd take him. JK? But I think we need more of a, of a speed merchant like Vinicius or... Uh... Um, who's the guy that Liverpool bought from Porto? Who's just looked? Yes, yes. He scored tonight. The bastard <laughs> looked completely phenomenal, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been fantastic. And you think, well, did Chelsea have an opportunity to put in a bid for that kind of player? Are they looking around for them? What are the What are the scouts doing? You know, somebody actually I put that the other day on Twitter, and somebody said, "Oh, do Chelsea do Chelsea have scouts?" Yeah, Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. 
No, exactly. But it was just the fact that we don't seem to be um, vying for any of, well, you can never believe any of the rumours anyway, but we don't appear to make these kind of purchases. I mean, perhaps this is something that was decided they would, before the, the, uh, the Ukraine war, that they were going to have a go at doing at the beginning of next season. Perhaps that was the, um, the, uh, the plan. Um, and perhaps when uh, ominously TT mentioned that it was all kind of sorted with Lukaku and yet he's hardly played since, perhaps it was just they decided, OK, you're off in the summer and, uh, and they've been making plans accordingly, which, of course, have been completely destroyed by the, um, the Ukraine war. So uh, um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if the new owner, if there is a new owner, I keep adding that caveat, does give... Uh, Tommy T a war chest um, just for a few just for the first six months well, for the I, first season. you know whoever the owner is they need to tie I mean I would like them I mean if there's one different I know this sounds like almost sacrilege to say it but you know we're about to enter into a new era we're possibly entering into a different way we should be entering into a different way of doing things now everything under Roman predominantly has been wonderful because of the 19 trophies that we've made but let's be very honest and we've talked about this on shows year after year you know even though ostensibly it works firing bloody managers every year does not long-term planning uh enable um it just enables chaos now we've actually we've actually you know done all right of the chaos but it would be nice to see something organic here you know and i, I dare i'd say this but i think what liverpool have done with klopp has been tremendous and you're seeing the rewards for that now they play great football. They're winning shit. I hate every fucking minute of it. But, you know, they're, they're, they've built something there. And we've got an opportunity to do that now. And we've also got a manager who, in my opinion, is every bit as good as, as uh, Klopp, if not better. And every bit as good as Guardiola. We've got one of the top managers in the world. Sign yeah. him up. Let him go. Put a plan in place to support him in those objectives. And be fucking patient if it doesn't work immediately. Dane. Can I just... Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Uh, I know some people don't like to look at stats and tactics, but there's some really good accounts on Twitter who, who really look in depth and tactics. And just talking about Tuchel and what, what is his favourite player and positions, you know, that these he's really good accounts sort of hint at the fact that he doesn't like those risky balls. He doesn't like that attack in play because deep down he knows we're, or he believes we're not good in the transition. And if certain players are playing and you've played a risky ball, and it doesn't come off, we're going to get caught out with, with possibly a Jorginho or a Dave or Alonso who are not... Yeah, uh, spot on, Dane. And Dane, we've, to recover. we've not been good in the transition, I would say, since John Obi Mikel left. Mm. Because we haven't had a, a, a really effective, proper defensive midfielder who screens the back three or four. You know? I thought Matic was a good screener of the... Uh, he, of the of he was the... all right, but he had his limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he had a season where he forgot how to play professional and football. He had a season. He had a, he had a Saul-like season, didn't he? But you know, we Bakayoko have like season. Yeah, I mean, we 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 have been poor in the transition for a long, long, long time, and and whoever's come in since has had to address it either by making a a silk purse out of a sow's ear, like Conte did, or rely on Hazard, like Sarri did, or you know, just be clever with the system and accommodate the weaknesses, like like uh, Tuchel has done and Frank to a certain degree so you know we we've got a big problem this summer because if we want to compete next season we need a new spine we need a a a Mm. leader and a bulldog and a ball playing we need a Van Dyke in defense 
You know, we need a proper defensive midfielder. We need a proper creative goal-scoring midfielder. And we need a proper striker. Good luck, people, with that one. And good luck, JK, with this first email this evening. Oh, uh, here it is. It's from Dan Harrison. Dan Harrison. Evening, chaps. Uh, the Peters and Lee chat, welcome home, stirred a Chelsea memory in me today. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think a pub bar called Novellos in Parsons Green would be taken over by Chelsea after games. The aforementioned Novellos had a decent jukebox and without fail, welcome home would be played after every game with a great sing-song ensuing. I always wondered what the link was with Chelsea fans. Do you have any insights? Was it just a good song for a sing-along? Love and thank you all for everything you do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Dan Harrison in Camberley. Camberley, Dan. Um, I have no recollection of Nouvellos. I have no idea about any insights. I've never heard Welcome Home being associated with Chelsea at all, ever, Dan. So I exit the conversation. Yeah, I mean... I mean, actually, I do know Novellos, I think, Dan. I used to walk past it occasionally on the way to Parsons Green Tube. Why I'd be going to Parsons Green Tube, I don't know. But I do. I, I never went in. And I know that they there was often a lot of singing and a lot of music, but I never heard Welcome Home. Um, so you've got you've got me stuck there. I'm, 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 I'm at a loss. I'll, I'll, you know who we need to talk to, don't you, JK? Brainiac. Marco. Yeah. No. Well, Marco Mark might know. Me. Mark, Mark Mia me. might know. We'll ask oh, Mark, Mark Mark will definitely know. He'll know he'll know what year and what month it yeah, was sung. Who, was who was the lead that. singer? What the follow-up was, he'll know the lot, mate. We'll who ask who him the barman was. Who the yeah, barman was. How much yeah. he owes the bar staff. I don't know. He'll he'll know it all, mate. We'll ask him. We promise we'll ask him. Uh, but thanks, Dan. Lovely, lovely words at the end too. Right, this is from Michael Gibbon. Dear Chidge JK and esteemed guests. I've been listening to the fancast for upwards of three years. I have an alarm on my phone to remind me to listen to it live. Oh, mate, that's fantastic. It's truly excellent, and I'm very grateful for its existence, even more so that one can send in emails. Yes, we love emails. Uh, apologies uh, that this one is so long. I've many thoughts, and I've, I've often pretend I'm on the fancast anyway. Well, uh, Michael, next time we do a Q&A, you know, you can be on the fan cast. So, you know, we'll keep in touch and we'll make it happen. This isn't a long one either. No, no. no. Not by not by the often seen standards. But uh, it says, anyway, so these are the resulting rambles. Now that the final bids have been submitted and we're probably only a few weeks until the final decision, I can think properly about the future. Looking at our squad, we do have obvious gaps. As much as it saddens me to say this, we should either be phasing Kante out or putting him out to pasture. Many, including on the fan cast, have suggested that we wrap him in cotton wool and just bring him out for the big games. That would be me, Michael. Uh, I fear he won't be happy with that, so we'll likely have to move him on. I, I think you may be right. I think Jorginho has probably hit and passed his peak, so he should go too. Correct. In defence, Rudy is leaving. Uh, and although I do not think he's the leader we need and is only good under micromanaging coaches, he has been excellent under Tuchel and will be missed. Agreed. I rate Christensen and I'm sad to see him go, but his mind is elsewhere and the sooner he leaves, the better. Agreed. We need proper backups to the wing backs. Dave, as hard as he tries, is not dynamic enough in attack and can't cross Michael. Uh, and Marcos cannot be relied upon consistently. Agreed. In attack, the less said about Lukaku, the better. Agreed. Uh, but I think we can promote 
for most of the positions. Gallagher should be the long-term successor to Kante. Yeah, the guy can press and his technique is sublime. I think we can give Colwell a shot to replace Rudy. We don't need and possibly can't afford to spend the £70 million on a centre-half. Dujon Sterling is probably fine on the right to back up James. And Lewis Hall may be the new Lasso. And who could be better to back up Chile? If we do spend big on anyone, it should probably be Rice. He has good completion percentages for both short and long passing and his defensive action numbers are high as well. Sorry for the stats talk. No, don't apologise for that. I'm not as averse to stats as I lead you all to believe, by the way. I do have a passing interest. Uh, Rice also passes the eye test and it must surely be a training thing uh, with our inability to take chances. It's been a problem for years under different coaches and with different players. So spending big on that issue I don't think will be effective. Bring back Brozier, uh, move on the lump, and that's probably the best we can do. Now, I, I do think we're going to need somebody up front, mate, because it is the big problem, scoring goals. And I don't think Brozier's necessarily the answer. It's a lot to lump on young shoulders. Anyway, for the rest of the current season, I just want it to end. I do not have a confidence in the team for the FA Cup final, so I think we'll be breaking another record by losing six domestic cup finals in five consecutive seasons. Hopefully it's just pessimism, but I doubt it. Anyway, I've rambled on for long enough. Keep up the fantastic work. Keep the blue flag flying high. Michael Gibbon. Well, there you go, Michael. If we do lose six domestic cup finals in five consecutive seasons, that would be some record because I don't think six into five goes, but I know what you mean. Um, it'd be losing three in a row. That's definitely a record, but that's hit. That's Chelsea making history, not reliving it. Uh, I think we're going to win the FA Cup final, actually. I've, I have high hopes. I have high hopes because it's just this kind of mentally stupid thing that this club does. But there you go. Uh, anybody want to comment on that? If not, we'll move on. Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. Only, only thing I'd add is I think we do need to spend on a defender. So hopefully that deal for Jules Kunde can be revived reasonably mm. quickly. I think that is I, I don't think Declan Rice is viable at the price that West Ham will want. Not this year unless he forces it, which he might. Uh, but he has a habit. Of, he has a habit of changing his mind as his international <laughs> proves. Oh yeah, like fancy that. <laughs> fancy that. Well, not bitter at all, are we, Martin? Darling? No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely not, Judas. <laughs> but regarding Rice, you know, and 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 the answer to to a lot of our hopes for for that defensive midfield role, we could have the same problem we, we could have with with Reese and, and and Chilwell. You know, if he gets injured, then. We were back to square one again. So you are looking at either having a, a an Ampadu as a, as a sort of a backup to a squad rotation play, can play anywhere across the back four and defensive right. midfield, or you're going to have to buy two of them. The one concern I have with Ampadu is he's going to be playing two consecutive seasons where he's been in a relegation when he's, his team, the team he's been loaned to has got relegated. I don't think that helps the confidence one bit. No, I'd like him to, if he could come back and do a role, you know, similar to Sardo, where he's and probably might be trusted a little bit more. I'd be quite happy to see him. Yeah. He looks okay when he plays for Wales, so it's not. He doesn't play as proudly as Sar. I looked quite good bad. at one point this season. He was at one point when everyone else was fucked with, when everyone else was fucked with COVID. <laughs> okay, J.K. Alex Greer. Alex Greer, Chidge and the gang. Am I part of the gang, Alex? Yeah, I must be. Because I'm cool. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious on your feelings about the CFC UK fanzine. Please feel free to correct or rephrase this as needed if reading it out, as I'm just going off at CFC UK's tweet on 429. I'm aware of your connections to them, so I'm totally fine with just addressing it as a broader idea rather than their direct effort. 
crowdsourcing funds for a banner to honor Roman at the bridge. Considering the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Ukraine at the hands of Russia, it seems like a completely inappropriate time to be considering such an act. While we can all admire and be thankful for what, for what Roman has contributed to Chelsea, this seems like an unforced error the club can do without. Would such a move even be allowed in Stamford Bridge at the moment? Unfortunately, I speak from a bit of experience with this type of situation. I'm not sure if I made the news in the UK, but in 2011, there was a significant scandal around the Penn State University American football team, where a former assistant coach was arrested and charged with sexually assaulting children. He was convicted and is serving a de facto life sentence in prison. While his guilt seems without question, the football programme and university came under scrutiny because of it. In the wake of, our, of this, our legendary football coach, John Patimo, was fired during his 46th season in charge. He died of cancer a few months later, and a large ceremony was held on campus for his funeral. About six months after that, the governing body of university athletics in the US handed down their sanctions, which were meant to absolutely cripple the football programme, despite no one of the, on the team at that time having been involved with this obviously criminal matter or even having been coached by the individual charged. The assistant, Jerry Sandusky, had retired in 1999. A statue of Paterno was erected near our stadium many years before any of this. He was a revered figure, both for his contributions making Penn State into one of the best college football programs in the country and to the university as a whole. His name remains on the university library to this day, despite being stripped off everywhere else. In July 2012, the statue was taken down. It remains hidden somewhere in rural Pennsylvania, as many try to restore it. You can vaguely see where it once was outside the stadium, but now a decade on, many of us don't think about it anymore. Luckily, the same governing body that delivered the crippling sanctions reversed them two years later. It was a ridiculous overstep of authority, much as Chelsea is experiencing right now at the hands of the UK government. I was a student at Penn State when all of this happened. It's something that will be with me forever. I don't know what Joe Paterno knew about the crimes committed by the assistant coach, Jerry Sandusky, but I know it's time, in, I know it's enough that a decade after it's still uncomfortable to consider honoring him at Penn State, despite the fact that many of the people who I went to school with and alumni who came before and after me may disagree with me. There's a consistent push of individuals close to the university use of a university to restore Paterno's legacy. It's not time. The same goes for Roman. We don't know what his exact ties to Putin are. We probably never will, but we know enough, especially as Ukrainians continue to be brutalized daily. Maybe someday there will be an appropriate time to honor him. Maybe there won't. Right now, the most important thing is protecting Chelsea Football Club. One owner is not more important than the club, much as I must often remind Penn status we are bigger than one coach. Up the Chelsea. Alex, uh, what's that Mesa AZ? Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, uh, Mesa. Never heard of Mesa. I'm sorry, Alex. Arizona. Of course it is, Arizona. Um, yes, I think um, I think it's it's a bit uh, lacking in tact to attempt to do this at this stage. That's my view, to have a banner. I think it'll, it'll just be used as another stick to beat Chelsea be, fans yeah, with, absolutely. even though I'm, we know, you know, we know DJ, we know it's 
it's coming from the right place, but it may not be the right time. But ultimately, it's his decision. I mean, it's a good point, Martin, you make. Uh, I'm sorry, Dane, I, I, I see you and I'll bring you in in a sec. But I had to speak to Radio 5 Live on Saturday morning and they were talking about the, the new owners and the takeover and all of that. And, and I said, well, you know, I basically mentioned Roman and said, well, we're not going to get an owner like him anymore because we won all those trophies and la, 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 la. And they jumped on me immediately, you know. And, and I said, well, yeah, there's no argument with that, but facts are facts. And I can speak as somebody who's been a Chelsea fan for a long, long time. And because of his largesse, wherever it came from, and none of us knew or cared about it in 2003, I've had the most unbelievable time following my club for the last 19 years. It's a fact. So don't, you know, you can't be in denial about this shit. But nevertheless, it's very, it would be very insensitive, I think, at the moment to, to, to do anything like that. A lot of time has got to pass before anything happens, much as I think we all believe that, yes, some sort of honouring might might take place. But Dane, you wanted to come in and I'm waffling. Oh, no, I was just going to just, I, I obviously I agree with, with, with all what you three said, but also, yeah, I know a bit about that, Joe Paterno, you know, I remember I read a book about it and and there's a lot to, you can find out about it, but if you're a little bit too lazy in that, you can watch the film where uh, Al Pacino, the great, probably one of the best actors ever to grace the acting world, Al Pacino plays him. I think the film was about three, four years ago, but it is a, it is a yeah, very interesting story, which uh, did cause, cause lots of reports. I may have be I may be completely misremembering this, but I seem to think there was an ESPN thirty for thirty on the subject mm. as well because I you know I'm not going to say I was completely on the subject, but we knew followed American sports a little bit and the Penn State scandal was you know there was a lot of there was a lot of disturbing details. And I seem to recall I think in the years where they were banned from you know competing in bowl games or something like that, they. Made, I think they had to make up some of the income by playing a game in Dublin early in the season at Croke Park, and then there was a a bit of a shitstorm there because you know it you know the the news travelled as to why as to what had happened with Jerry Sandusky, what Joe Paterno did or didn't know about the goings on, and you know it it made a bit of news there. But I I also think you know I don't think it's an appropriate comparison we don't yeah, you know no, whatever I, I don't think roman has as much inside and intimate knowledge of putin's plans for ukraine than what paterno i think paterno knew a lot more about what sandusky did than um roman knows about what putin did i think it, you, you can't you can't compare the two it's uh, as brian no. or mixler says brian just by the way brian happy birthday for the other day uh, happy birthday yeah it's uh it's apples and oranges and he's absolutely right okay we've got another email here from adrian air he says hi jonathan hi chidge and every other contributor to this great pod i write mainly to say thank you for the pod as you and your esteemed guests make us listeners feel a part of the match day experience despite living half the world away wherever we may be carefree. Currently sitting up at 11pm on Sunday night, waiting for the Everton game. Not the worst time for a game for us Blue fan, Blues fans in Sydney, to be fair, uh, as they're usually at 1 to 5am. Yikes. Uh, just wanted to ask a quick question. Over the last year or so, uh, I always I was always under the the assumption that Mason would be our next captain after our dear old Dave departs. But with Reese getting better and better, being who I believe is now our second world-class player alongside Kante, I'm now not so sure. Of course, Mason could easily shortly join him in the world-class list. He is phenomenal. 
Whom would you wager on being the Chelsea captain in two years' time? Side note question. When you hear the hypothetical conversations about an 11 of one individual player multiplied being the best, can you think of a better 11 than 11 Reese James's right now? Again, thank you. I think he'd be crapping goal. Sorry. I don't know. I reckon he could do that too. Uh, And again, I mean, do you know what? Very quickly interrupting my own interruption. It was a joy to watch Roy Keane on Sky I think after the United game, perhaps. I don't think I've ever... Because Roy is the bigger... He's even more curmudgeonly than me. He never has a good word to say about anybody. He was effusive and effervescent and showering praise. He, there was a glint in his eye. There was excitement. There was love. He was talking about <laughs> Reese James and what a player he was. And I, I was just thinking, this is fucking fantastic. Mind you, he loved Billy Gilmore as well. That was happened. Well, I don't don't write Billy Gilmore off, you know. He was playing for an exceedingly shit team. Don't write him off, mate. You put him I in good place. I haven't written him off. I want him to be good. I haven't written him off. Pat Nevin rates him. It's good enough for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, to finish the email, uh, you know, again, thank you so much for the work you do on the pod and with your contributions to the pitch owners. We need this now more than ever. Quite right. Cheers, Adrian. Unashamed Reese James lover. Um, so who should be the Chelsea captain? And... Uh, is there nothing like Reese James? Um, on the captaincy, it's not like cricket or rugby. You know, just stick the armband on the most high-profile player. You know, shake hands with the opposition captain, and you know, make sure you have leaders on the pitch. I mean, certainly at international level, John Terry proves you don't need an armband to be a captain because he lost it, but he was still leading that team. So. Um, Mason reportedly in terms of, you know, interpreting tactics and communicating them on the pitch is one of the best players going. So it wouldn't surprise me if he gets it, but ultimately it's just, you just have to post for photos. I agree, Martin. I find it all a bit meaningless, actually. Oh no, it's, it's the, 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 I think it's the Italians of the right idea, their national team, they just give the captaincy to the player with the most caps and let them get on with it. They take it literally. Capstan. Uh, Capitan. <laughs> Captain Captain's, a fa- Ca- Captain's a fag, isn't it? <laughs> it's a cigarette for our American viewers. And on the sorry, on the last one, yeah, I think a team of Reese James's is a very good shout at the minute. Yeah. There is nothing like Reese James. Nothing, nothing in the world. Uh, you, do you two boys want to say anything, or shall we move on to JK's next email? Uh, well, if I answer his question, I'd say. Uh, in the, I agree a lot with what Martin says, but he's asking out of Reese James and Mason, and yeah, Mason tactically apparently is is amazingly good, but I think Reese will will reach levels uh, that not a lot of other players we will see reach. I reckon he'll reach hazard esque levels uh, for Chelsea, uh, being that that influence on the field. So I'd, I'd go with Reese. I wouldn't mind if it was either of them. They're yeah, both, they both right. bleed blue, and I think that that they get the club, and I think that that's something we've not had the real. I mean, JT, obviously, you can say that with because he went from youth to captain. So you know, Mason or Reese, I would be equally delighted with either. And I like the fact that Mason Mount doesn't take any shit. He pushes people. He gets involved. Mm. He's a leader. He gets stuck in. You can't bully him or intimidate him. You know, I, I I've often thought that Dave can be intimidated and bullied a bit. You try it on with Mason, he'll he'll have a go back. He doesn't give a shit. I love that because he's a skinny little bloke, but he's got no fear, and I love that. It also amazes me, Chidge, how much Reese James 
a right back or right wing back can you can dominate a game from that position. I haven't seen that, you know, no, before I, I, in my yeah. all those years yeah. of watching football. Yeah. That's very good. My centre halves make good captains. Yeah, they read really. the game, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they broke the mould when they made JT. We won't see his like again, and there's no denying it, JK. No, perhaps it should be Otiago should be the captain. Well, in the short term, fucking nailed on. I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's the captain on the pitch, as far as I'm concerned. In, in the way that Dane's talking about. Anyway, we could waffle on about this for hours. Brilliant email, uh, Adrian, like that. Uh, we've got one from Kevin Wright, JK. This is the last of the week. Last of the week. Hi, Richard, JK, distinguished guests. It's Martin and Dane. Um, I know we all see TT as a genius for what he's achieved, but is it just me that thinks this? But I see so many similarities between how we played under Frank, how we're playing now. Loads of possession, can't score, very slow build-up, makes silly mistakes that cost us goals, as we did today. Push too many players forward, get caught on the break. Our defence is now as fragile as it was under Frank. Both managers got us top four places. Both lost FA Cup finals. Both managers haven't been able to solve the issues previously mentioned. The difference being TT won us the Champions League and Club World Cup. But as history has shown us, this doesn't mean you're safe as a Chelsea manager. And I think if Roman still had control of the club, TT's future would now be in doubt. I don't think so. We can only hope the new owners are more patient, willing to buy the players TT thinks will fit, rather than go for marquee signings that obviously don't, and give him the time to hopefully build a team to emulate the current top two. Keep up the good work. Um, uh, one fin, Kev. I was always losing one of my fins when I used to scuba dive. What a great name. One fin, Kev. Like Did it. that just mean you went round in circles? Yeah. <laughs> he must have done, mustn't he? Yeah. Well, they could have called him Circular Kev. Yeah. Maybe that was already taken. Okay, maybe, maybe. They maybe. could have called him Minus One Finn. No, I like One Finn. One Finn's good. There's a ring, has good. a ring I'm saying, but I was trying to find an alternative they could have called him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that, apart from the fact that, I mean, may, I mean, how, we, the thing is, Kev, we'll never know what Roman would have done because he can't make any decisions at all. But I would like to think that even Roman in his most stupid and obstreperous moments would have realised that this season's massively uh, got massive mitigating circumstances for Tuchel. And the other thing I don't agree with, uh, well, I think the one thing you might have missed there in terms of the similarities going on, I mean, you're comparing Frank to Tuchel. What you should be doing is saying, all the players are the same. That's the thing. No wonder that I mean that's the coin that's not a coincidence that they're all the same bloody players. That's why we're seeing the same shit every fucking week. Excuse my French, but honestly, it drives me up the wall. So maybe it's the players, not the managers. And I think you know we've said this for a while, haven't we, J.K.? I remember us talking about this, but about the 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 it's hard to get it's hard to get anybody to change habits, really, isn't it? When you're you're so used to them and. I do, I do wonder, you know, some of the players and some of the way we play is, you know, we talk about moving the ball around slowly, 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 side to side. Is that not a legacy of, 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 of Sarri ball, really? Um, I, I always say that it's something that they're obviously practising in training. And um, it, it seems to me that that pattern of play, uh, I've said this before, avoids errors it gives them more of an opportunity to deal with the ball once if the ball is given away from the wing from the side or even a, um, uh, there is always somebody there to mop up it's the mopping up aspect it's the 
um, the uncertain shot, the ricochet that causes the opposition to to accelerate and uh, and, and break. Uh, and if that and that's their the be all and end all of most of these teams that um, put ten behind the ball. So um, I just think it's that the number of times we've seen even at halftime, the ball then be played a lot more quickly because he's told them or he's told them a way of dealing with it. So I honestly think that the, the, uh, the, the, he, he tactically gets more out of these players for me than any of the other managers ever did, which I think once again, and the, the proof of the pudding is, uh, is in winning the Champions League. But um, uh, in each instance, we've gone on, on about this all the time, Chich. It's, the, it's an inherited side. And, uh, um, uh, and I think Sarri constricted them. I think Frank tried to get them to play with more um, uh, flair, possibly. And, uh, and TT has, has made them play even better. But it's the point that they are all um, players that before, um, the, 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 the owner always hopes the manager will come in, a new manager will come in and make the old players play better. And I think there's something he achieved because he's, he's tactically wonderful, but it's still not his team. And I think we need to look forward to uh, several acquisitions that are ones that Tommy wants himself. And he can then, as you said earlier, Chidge, change to possibly playing four rather than playing the three, which was something that fitted the team that, that, um, that they knew that they could play decently. And as we, we said, I think, Dane, you said it was, it'll be interesting to see if how Rudiger copes in a in a four, because um, he works much better playing with the the three uh, uh, and the two wing backs. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm not sure that um, uh, it is to do with the same players. I think it's the manager trying to get them to play differently, and they seem to be to me to be uh, a malleable group. I just mm. think that in this instance, perhaps. It is the the striker that oh, we keep going on about it, and it was supposed to be Lukaku to solve it, and it isn't. So uh, uh, they've got the same problem that they all had under 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 the same uh, under each manager not being able to score. And of course, the one person we keep never mention, which we should mention more often under Sarri, was Higuain, who was he should be in the canon of appalling centre forwards that we've had. He seems to get forgotten. We mentioned Dave Mitchell. We mentioned. Um, uh, uh, Maratta, Maratta, but Maratta. I won't, I'm not having it with Maratta, even though he's a tit, because there were there were times at the beginning of his Chelsea career when we were comparing him to Peter Osgood. Osgood. No, I think I think that was the problem with it, wasn't it? With Maratta, was he actually started off really well? So Higuain at least was consistent. Higuain was an absolute bag of shit, bag of shit all the way from the very beginning. Other than the goal he scored against Fulham, I think it was, which was a fluke, but looked very um, ben, Benzema-esque, I think. <laughs> But um, uh, but yeah, anyway, I just thought I'd mention Higuain for the hell of it because I think Lukaku, I think he's better than Lukaku. Hey, Budum Tush, that's what we want. That was for Prash. Yeah, that's especially for you, Prash. Sent with love and a big kiss. Uh, all right, that's enough. That's all we got time for this week. Uh, we've had more, we've we've infended your ear rolls for long enough, and it's time for our Betty buys because we're about an hour later than we normally are. Uh, so yes, that is all we've got time for this week. J.K. and I will be back with you on Freedy Neat at uh, seven p.m. Uh, for the Freedy Neat preview show, where of course we will be looking ahead to Saturday's match against Wolves. Uh, and we'll be joined by dear old uh, Clayton Beerman. He won't like me calling him old, so dear Clayton Beerman would be better. And uh, the housewife's choice. The housewife's choice. That's right. And uh, Liam, 
Toomey from The Athletic. Uh, and of course, the Chelsea Fancast and Deans, and should I say Danes, went to Moe King's Meadow, are available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. When is the next uh, Went to Moe King's Meadow due? I think it was tonight uh, Dean and Jane did one. I thought you would have done it last night. Yeah, I think like you, I think he was just enjoying his bank holiday or he wasn't allowed to. He's under heavy manners as well, is he? Can't <laughs> wait to talk to him about that one. Uh, so there we go. So with a bit of luck, you'll uh, you'll hear Went to Mo King's Meadow tomorrow if I can, as the actress said to the bishop, get it up. Uh, anyway, on, on Patreon, yes, yes, you've heard a bit about Patreon tonight. They're loving my gag. They, they love my carry-on gags, these boys. This is why I love them so much. They laugh at my jokes. What more can a man want? Anyway, yeah, Patreon. Uh, you've heard us mention it a few times tonight, the Discord group in particular. So if you want to become a Chelsea Fancast patron, uh, which helps me to cover the costs of running the shows and all of that kind of jazz, um, and also it's just a way to say thank you, we like what you do, or, or more, more, more pertinently belong to a community of very lovely people, uh, then you can donate whatever you want. There is no pressure. There are no tears. We don't do any of that business. Either you, you bung us a few quid or you don't. All right? per month very lovely of you patreon.com for slash chelsea fancast and if you do do that if you sign up to patreon then uh, you will be entitled if you want one to a kerry dixon banner uh, which is basically a, a mini replica of the banner we have for him hanging in the matthew harding upper and of course you can join our discord group which has got fabulous fabulous people like you get in mixler every week when we do the show carrying on the banter and the chats and the discussions and the arguments and it's populated by lovely people and actually it's a really interesting point you know there's all that news about Elon Elon Musk taking over Twitter and if you believe the fright stories that were coming out it kind of made me think a bit randomly god if it's really awful maybe I maybe I'll have to quit Twitter I was thinking well what what can I do and I said well obviously the the answer is we've got discord and it is like a much more civilized version of of Twitter because basically I know we get a bit fractious and excited at times it's an emotional game but basically everybody kind of loves each other and we're kinder and more tolerant and sympathetic so maybe that's the thing if twitter goes tits up then uh, we all migrate to discord and i can be like donald trump and can claim it as my own social media network anyway whatever uh, enough of that already right uh if you want your email or uh, basically read out or if you want to message us then email us to chelseafacus at gmail.com send it to patreon if you're a member instagram where dane will deal with it and make sure i see it or facebook or twitter whatever but make sure you get them in by the end of the day on a sunday all right otherwise you miss the cut uh, right, you can follow the show on so- on social media, all the all the social medias at Charles Fancast. Me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Martin at Martin underscore Wickham, and Dane at Dewitt Nine. Simple. Talking of Dewitt Nine, Dane, lovely to see you, mate. Really enjoyed your company tonight. It's been too long, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, as I said, you know, you can't beat seeing obviously you guys in Zoom and see how well you're looking. But I'd like to just. Obviously, she can't see Di. You know, Di's been giving me a little bit of stick on Twitter saying she'd wave at me. I don't know if she was going to wave at me because she can't see me, but I suppose this is me waving he's to her. Waving. Back. He's waving. He's waving. I am waving. I'll you are waving. Her a kiss. Uh, maybe but... she's, oh, hacked. Maybe she's sure? hacked into Zoom. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past but... Di. She's a woman of many talents. I'd also like to say, yeah, I've been a bit lazy on Instagram, a bit, bit, a bit uh, overworked at the moment. Uh, down down a few people at work so yeah I haven't had a time and I've been a bit quite lazy answering messages uh probably two or three or four days late but I still get around to reading them but yeah sorry about that 
to everyone. No, I'll do eventually get back to you. Yeah, don't worry about it, mate. You do a fine job and it saves me having to do it. And I've been busy as a busy thing. Uh, Martin, uh, you're always a delight on this show, as you know. You, you speak so much sense and you're always every, pretty much every game. What would we do without you, mate? Lovely to see you. Cheers. Um, don't always... Wouldn't be so sure about speaking sense, but I'll do my best. And you do speak a lot of sense. And Martin, when, when I knew that, when I remembered that you were on tonight and all the news that's broken out, I thought, oh, brilliant. I'm glad Martin's on because he talks more sense and he's more intelligent than both me and JK. So we can oh, hey, we can take a mental break where Martin, Martin opines. Yeah. Why you all look like he was zoning out. <laughs> mental break. <laughs> when you ask you ask a question and I'm I'm thinking, oh, Martin will answer that one. I'm just <laughs> Uh, to tactics, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> Martin, good to see you and looking and sounding very well, more importantly. Cheers. I hope you see you Saturday. Yes. Oh, you will. No, I'm getting the train up, so I will be drinking. I know you probably won't, so that's not what you I want to hear. Be, no. but, uh, I won't be, I will no. be drinking. And uh, I'm lovely to see, by you, by the way, in the, in the current edition of CFC UK, that Walt's in Walter's article... I love it. He mentioned me. I feel like such a legend because I was being mentioned in, in writing, in dispatches by the great Walter Otten in this month's CFC UK. Yeah, I, he, I had a quick scan. I don't think he mentioned me and I was there. Oh, that's shit. He didn't mention Satnav Mart. That's how it no, no, apparently he got, he'd lost direction or something. Mate, mate, <laughs> you get mentions by Walter all the time as Satnav Mart. But yeah, what I'm totally. delighted about was that he also published the picture taken of me and Tell in the, in the Lily which is a great picture of looking like two old farts musing over a crap football game, drinking a pint. Was it, in, was it in black and white? No, it was or... in colour, actually. Oh, really, it looked white. better in black and white, but he, but Dave put it in his colour. So, you know. She's just wearing his titfa. I am wearing my titfa. My titfa and my gentleman's hacking jacket. Yep. And looking rather dapper, if I do say so myself. And actually old, which was quite frightening. But there you go. Hey. Sailor V, happens to us all. Uh, now, last but by no means least, the absolutely delightful, wonderful, lovely, my brother on in podcasting terms, the delightful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Well done, mate. Thanks for having me on the show. Two excellent guests, as always. Well done, Chidge. And you were very good today, wasn't he, chaps? Oh, very yeah. on fire, Chidge. Absolutely. Very good. Oh, very good. I like that a lot. Uh, considering it's past our bedtimes, I think we've all done very, very well. So there you go. Pat yourselves on the back. Uh, you... I, faded a, I faded a bit, Chidge, sorry. In the, in Mate, the, um, we've done shows with you where you've back. actually fallen asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> so, you know, this is a bonus, mate. Trust me. You Thank fading you. out is, is an improvement. I had a bit of a kit before we started, just in case, actually. <laughs> Bless you, mate. You do brilliantly well, and I love you for it. Right. You lot in Mixler, as always, you've been brilliant too. I have been observing what you have been saying, even if I haven't been repeating it, which is my error, but uh, lovely to see you as always. Uh, Right. Thank you for listening. See you next Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it careful, keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.